Since the days of their creation, the Lizardmen have been at the forefront of the battle for the world's survival. Their armies are anchored by savage warriors, spawned for the sole purpose of war, and augmented with reptilian beasts whose tread shakes the earth. Their enigmatic leaders are powerful wizards and wield magics beyond the ken of mere mortals. While much has been lost over the long ages of warfare against the many foes of order, the Lizardmen still fight on, unleashing their cold-blooded savagery upon any who would stand in the way of their sacred mission. As carved upon the pyramid blocks, this is the tale of the Lizardmen and their defense of the world. Welcome to the garage, you tools. Or however he says it, I don't know. We're going to make <laughs> several promises for the next three hours or thereabouts. So we're going to do the best we can to keep you informed, entertained, and perhaps have a laugh or two along the way, bringing you the trifecta of the cold-blooded skinks and lizard man hijinks. I'm Chris Yu. And I'm the one who knocks. Oh, <laughs> scary. <laughs> oh, I, God, I love that show. <laughs> I So, yeah, I Breaking Bad, I'm finally caught up now. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Thank you for twisting my arm on that because, God bless America, that show's amazing. It's the bomb, yo. <laughs> oh, boy. So, uh, so how you been? Hanging um, in there? Yeah, yeah. yeah fresh off the heels from Gen Con? Oh, I'm so burnt out, and now I'm back to work. I literally came home from Gen Con, and the next morning I had to go back to work. Oh. And we're driving, and I'm driving home. Like, man, I'm tired. That's a rude like, awakening. Heather's like, I'm tired. I'm like, I'm tired, too, and I'm driving, and I have to work tomorrow. And Heather's like, so do I. I'm like, yeah, but you always have to go to work. And she's like, <laughs> oh. <laughs> you teacher types. <laughs> always complaining at the end of your summer break. Oh, I have to go back to work. Well, let's bring it back. Let's bring it back, yeah. <laughs> but I'm just, I'm exhausted, man. Take a moment you. to thank our, you take a breather, Dave. I uh, thank you. We'll take a moment to thank our sponsors, Unique Gifts and Games in Grays Lake, Illinois, Cool Mini or Not's Dark Age, Mirce Miniatures, GuildPainting.com, Square Shooters Game, and, ready? I'm ready. Battle Foam, protecting your... Army. And we also want to welcome our newest sponsor, Mantic Games. Yeah. Very nice. Been working on that for about a year, but I talked to Ronnie. In fact, I interviewed Ronnie in the upcoming Gen Con episode. Ronnie's on there. Given not only talking about what's been going on, but gave us the word on what their next project is. Ooh, so I'm all excited about information. Yeah. Nice. So we're going to have a bunch of Mantic prize support. So we're going to have some contests coming up soon. Contests. All right. And we, we've got Mantic. That's like a, I mean, Christopher was still on the show when we were yeah. trying to get oh, Mantic. Yeah, I, remember. So I remember. It's a huge deal for well, welcome Mantic. Thank you. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, what else going on? We have shout outs. Shout outs. Oh, we have shout out and we have voicemails. So it's like. Voicemail? What? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Two pronged attack here. Yeah. So tell me about the shout out. We got this from Jim Williams, who's Jim Beanie on our forums. Mm, sure. And uh, basically, he bought some dice and he was like, he, you know, he when he did that, he's like, hey, you know what? If you got a chance, can you give a shout out to a friend of mine? So 
I want to do a shout out to his friend Tom, who is Chopper on our forums. Uh, Tom got him listening to Garage Hammer during Tamarcon. Okay. And so he got him listening, and he's getting married soon, so we want to wish wow. wish Tom the best of luck. Congratulations, uh, Jim Tom. did a shout-out to his buddy Tom, and so want to say hi to him. Um, that's pretty much that. But we do have voicemail. Tell me about voicemail. Voicemail. If you want to leave a voicemail, you just have to call 1-757-GH-SHOW-6. That's 1-757-GH-SHOW-6. Now, um... We got a shout-out from a special friend of the show here. Is it, uh, is it Johnny? No, no, Johnny's, Johnny's are always special, but this is not Johnny this time. So let me uh, let me get this going here. And Hey, everyone, this is Chris Barnett. Hope you're doing well. Fresh back from Gen Con with an armful of great games, and you're listening to Garage Hammer. Stay a while and listen. So. Wow, blast from the past. <laughs> there you go. Yep, he even threw on the traditional Chris Barnett, stay, stay a while, while and listen. listen. That's he's good like, to he's hear. like, I didn't know what to say, but now he has the number. And so he's like, yeah, um, you never know. There may He's be... got to get drunk and then dial in. That's what he said. He goes, you never know when a few alcoholic beverages might <laughs> induce me to call <laughs> right. now that it's in my phone. Because so. late night Saturday night at the bars, you're drunk. Well, now he's living Garage down Garage Hammer in... is the obvious thing. Exactly. He's down living in Florida. You never know. There's going to be a party there or something. So uh, we are all excited to have Chris. Uh... Well, it's good to hear from him. I'm, I hope he's doing well. I don't remember yeah. the last time I actually... Talk to Chris. It's been it's a, been a while. while, quite a while. So, um, yeah, it was really nice to hear from Chris. We're all happy to hear from him. Um, but now, we also have a public service announcement that Uh-oh. was sent to us: tornadoes, hurricanes, Sharknado. <laughs> Sharknado. <laughs> Did you get to watch it? <laughs> no, my son deleted it. Oh, you're kidding! He, there was a show he wanted to record, and there wasn't enough room, so he decided to delete all of my and my wife's shows. Oh, no. Yeah. How old your son? He's seven. That happens. Hi. I'm Dr. Warhammer, practicing physician, member of the Indianapolis Wargaming Club, and participant on the Indianapolis team of the upcoming Tri-State Tournament. I'm here today to talk to you about a serious medical condition afflicting gamers worldwide, 20 mil syndrome. Known on the street says, being indeed, 20 mil syndrome is a serious, under-recognized, and totally not fake disease that has probably affected somebody you know. Usually contracted after a savage tabletop beating, such as those frequently sustained by players from Ohio and Illinois, it typically presents with feelings of worthlessness, frequent crying, flashbacks, incontinence, and in severe cases, can even lead to erectile dysfunction, rage quitting, or most serious of all, switching to 40K. However, as we learn more about this awful disease, there are ways that you can protect yourself and your loved ones from 20 mil syndrome. These include the rapid administration of a post-match beer, listening to plenty of podcasts, and as always, playing frequent matches against Wood Elves. We here in the Indianapolis area are very concerned about the effects of 20 mil syndrome. And so, in anticipation of the expected outbreak amongst our tri-state opponents, we will have trained crisis counselors on site for the September 7th tri-state match against Ohio 
and the September 27th match against Illinois in order to try to prevent the worst of these effects on our opponents. Thank you for your time, and go Colts. <laughs> wow, that's such a serious message. Wow, 20 nil syndrome, and apparently... It's Illinois and Ohio people who have to worry about it. It's a state-related uh, disease, I guess. But those guys in Indy, apparently, uh, they're ready to help us when we suffer from it. <laughs> uh, so thoughtful. Yeah. Um, wow. So anybody going to the Tri-State Challenge, either September 7th from Ohio or 27th, I think he said, from, 27th of September. from Illinois, um, if you have a response... Please feel free to call and leave your own PSA. It's, it's only fair. I mean, it's, they were gracious enough to warn us about said it, medical condition. Exactly. Exactly. So if you want to, if you want to counter that shout out, if you need, if you need your own shout out, you feel the need, and I know Andrew Sherman in particular may feel the need because I hear he suffers from twenty nil syndrome pretty often. Oh, ouch! I, I hear. I've never played him, but I hear that. I know Alex <laughs> Gonzalez doesn't uh, suffer from it, but I know he's playing. So. If you guys have a response, you feel free to uh, to respond. So one seven five seven gho six one seven five seven gho six. That's one seven five seven gho six. Of course, I think Andy suffers from twenty Nile syndrome, but <laughs> that's just. Oh, <laughs> uh, he was on. Ouch! I I saw him at Gen Con. He's on the Gen Con episode too. He knows I'm just teasing him. I think I think he revels. I think he says things wrong on purpose. Well, that's now. their tagline. I think yeah. butchering the English, <laughs> English language, language since two thousand whatever. I I think he does it on purpose just to annoy Cranky. I really sometimes uh, I think he does. I don't. Okay, think he actually, does. I don't either. But I was trying to be nice, <laughs> so you ruined it. Thank you. Um, all right. Well, listen. Uh, let's take a break, and when we come back, we will get into um, the uh, the well, the lizard men review. So we will be back. Hey, Dave, I'm looking for a place to play some Warhammer. Family games, board games? You mean unmatched awards and adventure? Sure. A uh, place with collectible and trading card games, RPGs, unusual gifts. You gyms. mean unparalleled offerings and fun? Okay. And it'd be great if they had books, candles, and collectibles, too. Particular presents and playtime? You're looking for unique gifts and games! Okay, but... Uh, Located in historic downtown Grays Lake, Illinois... UGG caters to gamers of all types. Okay, but miniature games, board games, card games, yeah. Doctor Who, all right, but things supernatural. I understand. It's all here. Okay, but with listen. frequently scheduled events, open gaming, a clean and friendly atmosphere. Okay, stop by UGG or or, or visit them yep. online at uniquegg.com. You could have just told me about unique gifts and games. Individualized endowments and festivities, essential awards and diversions, one-of-a-kind presents and happy fun time. All right, that's enough. Chaos Orc Superstore. Chaos Orc Superstore. That's right, folks. Chaos Orc Superstore. Your one-stop shop for all your hobby gaming needs. They've not only got current and classic GW releases, Chessex Dice, and Vallejo Paints, but now they're also carrying Mantic, Infinity, Flames of War, 
Privateer Press, Soda Pop, Dark Age, and other assorted boarded miniature-based games. They usually ship within 24 hours, and the model in the picture is the model they ship to you, because at Chaos Org Superstore, what you see is what you get. We're back. Welcome to the Garage U Tools, episode seventy nine. Lizard Men. Lizard Men. Now, um, news and rumors is sponsored by the Circle City Circuit, but today we're going to forego it. There isn't very much anyway, so we're going to forego that and move right into the toolbox, which is brought to you by Chaos or Superstar. Chaos or Superstar. Chaos or Superstar. And uh, we're going to forego that too. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to move right along. We want to mention them. There are sponsors, but we are going to step right along because we want to get into the Lizard Men review. And uh, we figured if we skip those for this episode and next, we can keep our review to about five to six hours. So, <laughs> right, something semi digestible. Yeah. So, um, before we start, I do have to say one thing. Um, I'm a doofus, and I totally uh, forgot that Domus plays Lizard Men. Not that I wouldn't have invited our guest on, but I would have invited Domus as well. Sure. Um, but and, and you know what? I'm sitting there. He's like, hey, you know, I play Lizard. I'm like, when do you? He's like, I was doing the Lizard Men special characters <laughs> review with on you, Dunce, on the show. I was like, oh, yeah. So I am I am a Dumas. That, that's no. French That's French for dumbass. Uh, of the First Order. Count so. the money. Count the money. <laughs> Demonet. <laughs> I just... <laughs> I want to uh, I want to apologize to Domus for completely just like give you know putting them on the pay no mind list there when I didn't mean to so there'll be other army book reviews so of course and you know I it's all good you know and and when the Wood Elf book comes out he's our man he's our Woody yeah because he's been playing it yeah so I mean granted that might not be for a year or so but at least sure. he's on the list so. but for now for now we have with us Lizard Man Jeff yes what's going on Jeff. What's up, everybody? Live in the scales. There, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so for those who don't know you, Jeff, could you tell us a little bit about who you are, um, how long you've been playing, etc.? Uh, yeah, I've, I've been playing since about 2007. Uh, Lizardmen are my first and only army, so I've been playing them exclusively since I started. Uh, I play first. out of Indianapolis, and um, I, I learned to play at the Game Preserve. That's where we usually oh, yeah. have our Warhammer night. And... Um, yeah, that, that's pretty much it. So you've been playing for six years, and you've been playing an army. Correct, yes. Oh. I, I am your polar opposite, Dave. I, I play <laughs> one single army. <laughs> He's fo- focused. But. Wow. A gamer who doesn't have gamer ADD. They are out there. <laughs> well, I don't know many of them. I mean, you only have two armies, but right. actually you're kind of stretching now for a third. But you've also True. been playing for how many years? 2003. So you've been playing for a decade oh, with yeah. only two armies. Right. Yeah. Well, I've primarily been playing only two armies for five years. Primarily. I own 12. But <laughs> right. <laughs> so, so what is it about the Lizardmen that um, drew you to them, Jeff? Oh, man. Well, I really like the uh, the Aztec theme of the army. Uh, but when I was choosing, I really had absolutely no idea what, what each army was or what it did or how it played. So I, I basically went with the models that I enjoyed the most and... 
happened to be lizard men and it, it was kind of a condition of keeping my job after uh being a holiday employee at the game preserve they were like hey you can run our warhammer night and buy an army if you'd like to keep your job and so here i am huh i, I don't think i've ever heard of someone getting a warhammer army under the veil of threats <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> it it wasn't army, so much a threat as an opportunity. Ah, yes. Well, I know when Christopher was working at the game preserve, one of the, he was playing, and they basically, you know, he, they had him. Oh, you have armies, and then he was painting, and they had him like doing painting, like classes and, and wow. things like that. Yeah, because you know, and yeah, he's shocking. Yeah, well, <laughs> he's a good painter. He just doesn't like to have. He, he doesn't does, have to have to do it. it no. Yeah, don't put him under the gun and say you have to do it for a tournament. And I mean, sure, his stuff is great. I mean, you look at his cast dwarfs; they're great. It's just. Mm-hmm. Don't make him have to, but you know, Jeff. Did you did you know Chris back in the day when he was around? No, no. I, I what, did he work out of the Indianapolis GP? No, he was West Lafayette. Okay, yeah, yeah. I've only been there a couple of times for store meetings and stuff like that. Gotcha. So we we like at Christmas time, but I, I worked from 2007 to about 2009. Okay. Um, so all right. So uh, let's get into the Lizard Men book. Yes. Woo-hoo. Ooh, so excited. Lizard Men. Now let's crack this open here. Written by Jeremy Vetta, cover <laughs> art by Paul Denton, produced by Games Workshop Design Studio. And let's not forget to mention playtesting by Ben Curry, Adam Hall, Ben Johnson, Greg Milne, Martin Morn, and Chris Taylor. I just like to mention Ben Curry when I can. He's my bud. He's Speaking bud. of which, dude, do you realize how many people are going to be coming to Adepticon this year? No idea. The Bad Dice crew's coming back. Greg Dan's coming. Mm-hmm. And Heelenhammer just released an episode where they might be coming. Oh, really? Wow. It's I know br- the hotel room sold out in, like, no time. As soon as they released the blocks, it seemed like they sold out instantaneously. Yeah, yeah Greg got one, and, like I said, I wasn't going to be able to go. But then Heather found out Greg was going and really wanted. Oh, are you in now? I'm in. Nice. I can't awesome. go till Friday. At l- around, like, Saturday, like the, Sunday. As long as you're there. Yeah. Saturday, I mean, I Sunday. can't get there Thursday. Just like this year. I can't get there Thursday because I got to see the kids off to school Friday morning. But uh, I'm in for both PACA and Adepticon. Awesome! I'm like a regular tournament goer. Yeah, now. you are. <laughs> Fresh off of the <laughs> so amazing you got virtual. that. You got that taste, Dave. Now you're going for that number one That's spot. Right. That's me. Going for the jugular. hobby wrecker. Win at all costs. Y Tech. That's it. So let's talk lizard men. So let's. Uh, I, I guess so, we should start with the fluff. Yeah. So we'll start off with the fluff. We'll go into special rules. Yeah. Magic items, spells, and we'll see how far that gets us in this first half. So, um, now, Jeff, I, I did n- normally I have a little bit more time, but I didn't get to compare this overall with the fluff from the last book. So, I mean, I, I didn't either. So, Jeff, we're going to rely on you to be our kind of uh, our, our expert on the Lizardman history. That's a lot of pressure. Uh, <laughs> I'm just wondering if you flip through it. I mean, is it longer than in the last book? Did they seem to add more? I mean, I saw the word Bastilladon in there a whole bunch of times. You know, they added little bits. Yeah, like that, they added but... a bunch of other dinosaur references in there too. Um, it, it seemed like they they kept the the basic timeline the same, but they definitely made some some tweaks in the way that the Lizardman Society worked. It felt like it felt like the the Slons take a, a much lesser role. 
Um, whereas in the previous book, it seemed like they were like semi omniscient, omnipresent beings that led their armies through to victory through telepathic powers and whatnot. Now it just kind of seems like they're idiot savants that specialize in casting magic. But other than that, they're pretty much useless. Well, they're, but, they're busy meditating, right? Yeah, exactly. The, and in the recovering from the uh, the flood of chaos, it right. seems like they they expend all their energy and now they're just recharging. Yeah, I will. I, I will. I will make an admission here. As the Fluffmeister General, I am a little embarrassed at. <laughs> but when I first started playing, Christopher brought over all the books and said, "Flip through this." And I think I said last episode, I was like, "Oh, look, liz- giant lizards, lame, giant rats, lame." <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. Um, and I, I got the Lizard Men book when they came out with the Lizard Men book. You know, last edition. Yeah. Uh-huh. And. Uh, I didn't actually read all the fluff. Like, I was kind of reading it, and then it sounded like they were space lizards, and I was like, get out. I'm not reading this. <laughs> yeah. I, I made a habit of reading it about once a year, but um, I, I, I was focused on the new book when that came out, so I haven't actually uh, brushed up on that in, in the recent past. But um, So when you say space lizards, David, what, where does that stem from? Well, I mean, in the last book, it seemed like they said something about... Um, I could have sworn I read that like they brought the old ones brought them with them. Oh, is that what it was? That, yeah, yeah. This was I thought that's what I read. I was just like, wait, what? I, I don't recall that. I, I know that the the Slon were the first beings that the the old ones created on on the old world, but I'm not sure that they. Like, that kind of does sound familiar now that you say that, but I'm not sure it, it was the. I think they use like the genetic code to, to morph the beings that were already present on the Earth. Well, let's talk about who the old ones actually were. What do we know about the old ones? Well, they're sort of a mystery. They're the ones who, you know, sort of came and saw the Warhammer world, and as it said in the book, they saw boundless potential. So they're the ones who placed those gates at the polar caps, right? And it says they would travel back and forth. Now, it seems like they float above. Like, they're not, like, on the ground. I was kind of picturing the Stargate when I first read it, but mm-hmm. it seems they're up seems in the air. more like a portal. Right. Yeah, because uh, it actually says that they could, there was, you know, they, could, they had small ones around, but they had these giant ones on the cap. They could take giant s- ships through. So they would travel from wherever they originated or different areas to this location? Yeah, apparently they were, they, they could travel through space. I don't know space and time, but what do, you, could, what do you think about that? Well, I don't know. What do you think, Jeff? I mean, I have my thoughts, but basically that's because I read the 40K fluff. So Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a tie-in to the 40K. That's how they connect their worlds is with those polar gates, and that somehow the uh, it could totally be through time as well, but um, definitely through space. Um, but, yeah, we, we don't know a whole lot about where they came from. but So is the idea that this the old world is a, a lost planet somewhere in the 40K universe? Well, if you read the Necron fluff... Now, remember, the Necrons were around, what, like 30 million years ago? Mm-hmm. And um, they were a dying out race, and then those the, the Satan came and promised them power in exchange for their help to destroy the old ones. And the Satan couldn't do it, but then they, with the help of the Necrons, what they did, and, like, the Eldar were the... You know the ones who were like the defenders of the old ones, and they could, they the Satan could never get to them because whenever they got to where they were, they could just boom jump through space and time right. like warp gates. Okay. So, but eventually, with the help of the Necrons and the Satan, they the old ones were destroyed. 
Hmm. The old ones are gone. Like, and they never tell you what they were there either. They're just these super ultra powerful beings. Like, but gods. they never describe what they look like or nothing. Their biology. They're just like they're this lost race of of like gods that were pretty darn powerful, but then got wiped out. So they showed up here and started forging this world and it seemed like they were almost I mean it, it hints in the book here that they were raising these races to for some for the, the greater plan right the yeah the, plan. the great plan yeah, which yeah I wish they would have gone into more detail as to what that plan is well that's kind of the tease isn't yeah it? that's the mystery they've got to leave if it, you can't know that that's like knowing God's plan I suppose I was thinking about that on the way over here that's exactly what I was thinking like when I read the Bible fine I'm, you know, we're humans. We're not going to know everything. We're not going to go right. God's plan or whatever religion you 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 happen to right. believe. I get that. But in a fantasy game, is it too much to ask just for a little bit more? <laughs> okay, but how about this? You can compare it in 40K to with, like with the emperor. You've got this guy who had this great plan and was moving it along and then was, for all intents and purposes, destroyed. And now you've got us lesser beings picking up the pieces. In fact, it's re- I thought it was interesting that... The slan over years, they've got. It says in the fourth, they've got. Like you know, you see the arc of Sotek and the right. and the solar engines and this. They have other things that the old ones left behind that they don't dare mess with because they don't know how it works. Or they've forgotten how it works, right? Yeah. And that's mm-hmm. straight out of forty k, where they don't. You know, you got the priests praying with the machines and doing things through prayers and stuff because they don't know how to I, use it. It's, I, I suppose, but to to set up this uh, narrative where this plan, these beings come here with the plan, and it. That is the explanation behind the creation of the majority of the races on, right. the, whole, on the whole planet. Uh-huh. I just wish they would have just given us a little bit more in terms of what that was. I think we all want more. <laughs> well, they, they did kind of reset the timeline, right? So they might be maybe with the success of army books releasing more of the information for all the armies. Because, uh, I mean, in the Lizardman book, it's definitely built in. They've got the sacred plaques that have been scattered all over the world with this information for the Great Plan from the Old Ones. And that's like one of the main focuses of the Lizardman army now is to go and find these plaques and try to divine the 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 old ones will. And so, I don't know, maybe in other books or with successive releases or maybe even with the rumored ninth that they might even in the, the book fluff, the BRB fluff, explain a little bit more. Well, and I think if you get that plan, then you could literally kind of almost get to the end of the Warhammer world. Like, I don't think... <laughs> could, well, because, I mean, let's let's go through this a little bit. The old ones come and they set it up and you've got the Lizardmen, but, you know, they have them setting up in Lustria. They start setting up all these temples on this geomantic the geomantic grid. So mm-hmm. so basically they're like ley lines, lines of magical power so that uh, and the each temples are station on, can communicate with one another, right? right? Mm-hmm. But if you picture them they're almost like, cell phone like towers. Yeah, basically. And if you look at the picture, <laughs> it's it's like, you know, you've got these these lines going across yeah. which form a grid. And on each crosshair of the grid is is a temple and a city. Mm-hmm. And they're building this up so they can do all this work. And in each of these temple cities were parts of the great plan that the old ones were writing out and leaving for them. And then when the gates were destroyed and the old ones disappeared, and nobody knows what happened to them. All that was left was pieces of the plan. Well, I mean, the plan was still there, intact, written. But then when chaos came in and destroyed half of Lustria, a lot of it... So that's... Yeah, like Jeff said, they're hunting down the pieces, trying to put it together. Um, one of the parts that I thought was interesting was um, later on in the in the fluff. In fact, right near the end of the actual story fluff, before they start describing Lustria, it says that they had uh, Lord Mazdamundi had deciphered the meaning of these plaques that they found. 
and they were written days before the Great Catastrophe. Mm-hmm. And it says that the Great Plan could not proceed until all the corrupting elements that were sure to be introduced by the looming disaster were eliminated. Foremost among these would be the followers of chaos. All such creatures, the plaques exclaimed, must be expunged, and as Lord Mazdamundi uh, pointing out, anything less would be a failure of their duties to the old ones. The power of chaos was stirring once more, and the lizardmen must ride to me. The younger races that would not join them against the foe must be considered enemies. So basically, the great plan, whatever this is, it 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 can't happen until all of chaos is wiped off the old world. It's never going to happen. Basically, if yeah, you, yeah. They, they said they can't even continue with the plan until that's complete first, which it's a lost cause. There's and, no and, way that they're going to be able to wipe out right. all the chaos. Yeah, I mean, basically, if you continue the storyline to the wiping out of all chaos and all evil creatures on the planet, then pretty much Warhammer is over. That's why. So if you're never going to eliminate chaos, let's face it, that's never going to happen. Right. I, I, I go again. You know, why can't they give us a little bit more? <laughs> solid information as to what that plan is. I, that's just me. I know I keep on they're, harping. They're on still that, deciphering the the plaques, Chris. I guess. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, maybe I should start a lizard in my army so I can find out. <laughs> <laughs> I wholly endorse that idea. Um, now I, you know what? I started reading this, and in the very beginning, within the first like few pages, before it really. It, it, I mean, it kind of gets sad as it goes through. You see the decline, much like the decline of the elves. Sure, you see the yeah, decline it's like of the, the twilight of the race. But in the beginning, I'm reading this, going, "Oh my god, these guys are so cool! I would love to play this army." When they're describing, you know, you've got the the slan, you know, who can who can raise mountains with their thoughts. Move, like, oh, that's kind of awesome! Yeah, move continents yeah, yeah. and stuff. Bring the planet closer to the star. Right. Exactly. Yeah, that was cool. Um, then you've got the Saurus, who are their protectors, and then you've got the the Skinks. Who sort of take care of them, and they're the smarter ones. I also like how they put the skinks as the wranglers. Like they're the guys who, when the slan is not right there commanding things, they're like the administrators. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. but they're also the ones who wrangle all the other. You know that if you're not a Saurus, basically there's what slan, Saurus, Croxagor, and skinks. So there's muscle, big muscle. Yeah, managers. Right, uh, Soros are the fight Croxigore. They they're the guys who can lift big things and the lumbering and, and, idiots. Yeah, yeah. The they, they even say build. in the fluff that during in between battles they would just drop their weapons, so they had to start strapping their weapons to their hands. <laughs> so they're similar to trolls in their stupidity, basically. Yeah, um, but like all the other stuff, the troglodons, the stegodon, um, those aren't even a part. They, they just these are just the giant monsters that live in Lustria. The area. So, and mm-hmm. it's the skinks that go and wrangle and collect them and catch them. They used beastmen to uh, to attract them. Right. The, uh, this, Just like know. the goblins use beastmen yeah. to lure trolls. <laughs> um, the beast. heel of the Warhammer world. <laughs> the bait. Um, well, it's interesting that they, they set up that caste system, so to speak. And knowing that they're spawned and, and kind of created from, I don't know, the 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 DNA of the planet by yeah. the old ones. They, they, the lizardmen almost take on a supernatural kind of feel to it, extraterrestrial almost. Yeah, we are the creations of the gods. There you go. Yeah, I mean, and you got the slan who learn. I mean, they're the only. It says they're they're the only ones with the minds who can handle being in the presence of the old ones. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were actually there at the feet of the old ones, learning. They're the only ones who can handle it. Um, Let me ask Unfortunately, you in, in the storm of chaos, all of the slan that actually had direct contact with the old ones were wiped out. Yeah. But yeah. Do you guys consider in in the the old world the lizard men to be a, a, an actual race of good? No, no. I would say that they're. Um, 
true neutral, uh, that they have a plan that is in and of itself. Um, it doesn't take good or evil into account. It just goes. So it's self-serving. Yeah. I think yeah. ultimately they're for the good. I mean, they are anti-chaos, but that's just by coincidence. They're well, also anti-anything that is not anti-chaos. So every human that is either indifferent or actually um, or even not know. necessarily chaos, but evil, they're, well, I they're think against them as well. That's a byproduct, I think, of the old ones disappearing because there's this plan and the old ones had the plan. And now that they know the plan has, you know, part of the plan is all this chaos has to go. But what if that plan is ultimately evil? Well, let's assume it's not. Wow, how can you make that <laughs> assumption? Well, because it's anti-chaos. If it was evil, it would be pro-chaos. But what is evil, Dave? Exactly. Don't start that. <laughs> That's what I was thinking, too. Neutral good, maybe. But, you know, if there was a, a small hamlet of humans that were being attacked by goblins, would lizardmen come to their rescue? Well, I th- no well, way. I don't, okay, would, will they involve themselves in the, in the minutiae? No, but I think, in fact, reading the fluff... Um, it, when we get on later on, uh, during the Sundering, Calidor's, uh, you know, magic, unbeknownst to the elves, they augmented. Yeah, the lizards yeah. knew what was going on, and they said, "We need, we need to help them." I, I have mixed thoughts on that too, because there's that part, if you recall, where that high elf expedition makes it to Lustria, uh-huh. and you know they're <laughs> observing them and everything, and the first contact. Yeah, yeah, through disease, most of the elves get killed, but a handful make it to the city. And they break them, bring them before, I forget which character it was, I think just a slon or one of the named characters perhaps. And they say, you know, well, what do we do with these elves? They've made, they've made it here. And the slon kind of groggily wakes up and says, ooh, you know, oh, they don't belong here. They're not supposed well, okay, to be here. Now, yeah. now, and, so, and then what do they do? Okay. They slaughter them. Well, now, here's, now, in the defense, now let's back up a little bit. After, now, that the, cannot the, be neutral good. The slon were very active until the Great Catastrophe. When the gates, chaos gates collapsed, uh-huh. uh, that really fuzzied their minds. Uh, throughout this whole thing, whenever chaos is around, it's harder for them to think and, and be a part okay. of the plan. I'm with you. Which is why they sleep so long now. Okay. Because just working on the plan exhausts them so much, they go into these long periods of sleep. So when the skinks wake them up, a lot of times they're groggy. And in fact, in um, in the the, the 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 Black Library book, the one with uh, Gracier Thankful. There's a slan that wakes up when he gets under Lustria, and the skinks go around, and it's the the, the slan says something, and then they it, because you interpret it. Yeah, he's not awake long, and you know things to get interpreted, you know, funny. He appeared not to register their presence at long na- at long length. The mage priest's eyes focused upon the beings before him, and he croaked out a single sentence before lapsing into unmoving repose. They should not be here. Now that's all he said. Now the skinks. It, you blame it on the skinks if you want. I don't. They're think left that, to interpret it. They, they don't really and, understand what that means any more than you of, or I do. Yeah, as much as they've helped the elves and they they help teach the elves magic, I have a hard time thinking that he meant kill them. More like you yeah, got to go. That's not the actions of a good race. But well, the skink priest didn't know what to do. Finally, they said they shouldn't be here, and of course, then. They slaughter them. Well, that the Saurus. <laughs> Remember also the Saurus take everything <laughs> they literally. They slaughter them in. Cold blood, indeed. <laughs> but let's also, if not forget, that when the skink said that to the temple guard, the 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 um, the Saurus take their commands very literally. So when they say they shouldn't be here, they they attack them. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's a it's not a good. Thing. I don't think that's literal, though. That's that's taking it. 
that's taking a leap on well, those words, on those instructions. Well, oh, let's okay. Well, then let's go one more part. The temple guard. Oh wait, the temple guard closed in around the elves. Yeah. Now that doesn't say they attacked them. They surround them. You shouldn't be here. That's the an elves, aggressive move, though. It, well, yes, it could be, but they could have also just been like you know ushering them out the door. But these guys. <laughs> All I'm saying is, okay, you got someone who shouldn't be here, You and these guys guard the slans with their lives. The slans says mm-hmm. they shouldn't be here. They surround them. Keep away from the slan. you got to go. Now, of course, I would take it as aggressive. You would take it as aggressive. Anyone would. The elves pulled their weapons. Okay. Yeah, but they're closing ranks. They're the surrounding second you people. pull a weapon in the presence of a slan, the temple guard are going to kill you. Uh, Jeff, I wanted to pick your brain on something. Mm-hmm. The old ones created the elves and the dwarves. Right, everything they created the humans, they created everything. Everything, so even orcs and goblins, beastmen. Uh, not, not Skaven. Skaven weren't actually part of the plan, and I'm not sure about the orcs and goblins. Mm-hmm. Um, but it did also say that they formed the elves, they formed the dwarves, they formed men. So, uh, they also, and it said in some haste, it seemed formed the <laughs> halflings and the <laughs> ogres. Just kind of thrown in, but uh, <laughs> you don't have time to finish. <laughs> but they also went around and found beings that just weren't going to fit the plan, mm-hmm. and the lizardmen were, were ordered to just eliminate them. So yes, I guess your argument does hold a little yeah, more not, water not there. Not the actions of a good race, uh-huh. certainly not. But well, I don't think it's the actions of a bad race either. That's why uh, I believe they're, they're they're true neutral. I don't know. Yeah, true neutral. I can I can see that argument. You see, if they if they did that with evil intent, if they were saying we are wiping out this race because we enjoy the thrill of the kill, that would be one thing. But they're simply, uh, as far as the book is concerned, they're almost mindless beasts just following the orders. And I mean, who 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 knows what the intent of the old ones were? But well, the actions the, of the the lizardmen army, I can't say, would be neither good nor evil. Just well, they're they're imposing their will. You know, and the but cost it's their of that planet. Is, the cost of that is the destruction of an entire race. You know. All right, here's a cool one. Um, well, but before you get okay. into that, so I guess the beef I have with the whole high elf incident is mm-hmm. if the old ones created dwarves and high elves, and high elves show up on the lizardman doorstep, shouldn't wouldn't the slan, you know, recognize that? Maybe they did, and he's just too sleepy and groggy to. Well, that's, Verbalize it. that's part of it. And anyone who showed up, because originally nothing was allowed on Lustria except the lizard men. Like, they didn't right. have anyone on there. So when anything shows up, they always say, watch them. It's In fact, it's the skinks who are always like, they, don't, they always want to go and attack. They're, and the, mm-hmm. and, the, and the, the slant always say, just watch them first, which is why some people get in and it says, unless it's an important artifact... They will often just let them plunder and take sure. tons of gold because that's not the it's important not stuff. It, right. If you take the wrong item, they're coming for you. Mm-hmm. But it's the skinks who seem to be a little more aggressive because they're far more active. And it's like, there's someone here. Should we? Can we kill them? Can we kill them? And they're like, uh, no, leave them alone. And it even says sometimes they find excuses to go and go after them. Right. But that's more the skinks, not so much the slan. The slan seem more impassive, a little more neutral, in my opinion. Okay. But to, to go to the old idea of the Saurus, who are just a little bit mindless, uh, in the thing titled The Nether Thing, they had this, uh, this demon uh, attacks with all these things. And um, let's see, Lord... Uh, once again, Lord Huniwitutuli... <laughs> um, they could only, he was asleep. They could only <laughs> awaken Lord Tenuchli or Tenukli. And um, 
he goes out and he goes with uh, Check X that you know the the, the Check X the special the warrior yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. well the Eternity Warden. They're attacking, and the chaos magic is so strong that the lizard men are getting slow and groggy. Like the Saurus are even having trouble raising their weapons. Right, it's so confusing to them, and they're getting butchered. And there's Chekax doing nothing, and they're getting slaughtered. And then when this evil, whatever the guy's name is, I forget the uh, oh the demon that they refer to. Yeah, um, I'm on page sixteen, and uh, yeah. Sla Ulan led the slaughter against the lizard men, sniping off heads and cutting them down. And in moments, only Lord Tenchuli and Chakax, and Chakax just standing there, not moving. And he comes up to kill him, thinking he's incapacitated because of his magic. But Chakax is there to protect the Slan. So once he gets close, Chakax explodes into action and butchers this guy, has his head riding on his guy. But. Um, this, this attack, Chakax jumps in front of this magical attack, takes the brunt of it. The slan is wounded. He butchers this chaos lord, puts his head on there, and then what does he do? He was ordered, stay by my side, because he was wounded. So when the battle was over and only these two were left, he just stood there. And it took weeks for a party to find the two of them because he couldn't go for help or do anything because before the slan fell asleep and passed out from his wounds, he said, stay with me. So, so the point you're trying to make is that Saurus are so incredibly literal yes. that they, they can't... Uh, no, they don't, they don't think have the for themselves. to think for themselves. Exactly, <laughs> and that's why you get the, the skinks often directing the thing. The skinks have taken a bigger role in this book than I think in last because they do. Like, in fact, they got the whole thing with... Uh, what is it? Tic tac toe when his fl- when he leads out an army, yeah, or, yeah, yeah. or t- and they go out there and they're, they're and it and it seems like every other page there's an upstart skink leading an army to right. go destroy something. Yeah, because and but a lot of times it's just they can't wake up the slan. It's mm-hmm. like when the slan comes to war, people die. But if you can't wake them up, then they're like, well, we got to do something, right? So, but uh, yeah, I guess. I just I, I really enjoyed this fluff. It really, at, at least in the beginning, really wanted me to. It's the first time I just read fluff and said, "Wow, this army." Well, not the first time, but the fluff itself. When I really didn't know it's if I wanted really to compelling. play, yeah, it was. Um, there's another really weird thing in here. They have a whole bunch of. It sounds like they have a spaceship. I read that too. Yeah, uh, <laughs> the flying temple. No, 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 no. It's like a flying, it's like a big floating disc. Yeah, underneath like one that. of, they have some of these, it says how they have the, uh, they have some uh, some more of these, uh, the old ones things, and it says one of their flying ships that, they, that came through the portals, they have one underneath one of their temples. They just don't mess with it because they don't know how it works and they're afraid of it. But so they've got, like... All these weird old one stuff. I was just like, "What the heck?" So, are you guys okay with the, the, you know, the potential merging of this fantasy world, the connection between this and forty k? Does that sit well with you? I don't really have a problem with it. I, I kind of like how they're connecting both of their games. Um, I mean, I'm obviously fantasy is the better of the two games, <laughs> well, and of course, yeah, but. <laughs> But, so we, so they had to give a nod to the lesser of the game and the better. So I, I don't mind if if this planet is okay. Here's the other thing: if the old, if these are the same old ones from 40k, right? They're not in 40k because they were wiped out 30 million years 
before, remember the after after the old ones were destroyed, a lot of the 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 Necrons went to sleep for third. I think it was either it was I don't think it was thirty billion years. I think it was thirty. I might be wrong, but I know it was at least thirty million years. So if you're thinking forty k, the year forty thousand from the from the human right, time, right, yeah, that's that's a good point. I guess what I'm getting at is I, the merging of this fantasy world with high technology is to me a very odd combo. Well, I mean, we don't see any of it, but just I but like. It, the, but they acknowledge in the book that it's there. There's a spaceship there. on this planet. But it's also not the first time that they've introduced well, technology like that before. I mean, they brought in the um, the demon. The demon um, soul engine. grinder, yeah, the soul grinder, cause and then the segue of corn. I mean, that, I mean, that, that doesn't that look gets like a little bit of a pass because it's the warp, and you know. Well, but they came through the space. warp. The whole right. the reason the warp is here is because the gates are here. Again, it gets kind of a, and it is chaos, so it could be anything. I just think it's interesting that they had this idea because even then, if you go back then, maybe the human race wasn't there, but the Eldar were there because the Eldar were the defenders of the. Great old, old ones, ones, sure. Which, uh, not the great old ones, that's Cthulhu. <laughs> but the defenders of the old ones, and that's why they hate the Necrons. So there was stuff there, but they see some potential. I don't know what they're trying to make from here. I don't even know if the war, I mean, you don't even know if the Warhammer world even exists. Like, I never expect, the Space Marines ain't going to show up on Warhammer right, world. Yeah, yeah. So, so take the 40K element out of it. It's just the technology element. Yeah. You know, the spaceships. The fact that this Warhammer world exists in in. A fictional world where there are spaceships to me it just seems weird. It's like saying the Hobbit uh-huh. and um, all all the people of, of Frodo's village uh-huh. were originated by su- a super advanced spacefaring race of Jawas. Well, <laughs> it's just a weird. It is a weird idea. You know what but I mean? Remember, I mean, the pyramids were built because they're landing strips for the aliens. There's alien ships here on Earth. Oh, you know that. Go. I mean, that's just cue <laughs> the X Files music. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, let's face it. All the ziggurat temples—they were all created. I mean, that was all alien technology. And, and even That's in the fluff, in the, they would talk about how the old ones would land in the plazas in between the temples and, and go and visit amongst their their uh, salon. Yeah, and I mean, let's. Yeah, I I, I. I don't know what I'm trying to say. I, I guess I just don't like it. It is like that where they're headed with that fluff. It's a weird. I, I don't think it's headed anywhere because I think the old ones are dead, and you're never going to see this stuff arise. But it's the, just the, interesting the thought that of uh, dwarves and elves. You know, they, they didn't evolve. They originated as spawnings from this alien race. Well, I mean, it seems very strange. Well, I mean, I I, I kind of assumed it was proto elves and proto dwarves. Like here was this race, and they sort of went in and and messed with and just tweaked advanced them a little bit, uh, tweaked them a little bit. You know, created them. These guys are. Very magically sensitive. Uh, I don't know. The, the, the book made it sound like they created them from scratch. I didn't think so because it was stuff that they took it from races that were already there. It specifically said that. Hold on. Yeah. So it does say for upon the world for upon the world the old ones had encountered many primitive creatures, including those that would one day be transformed into the first elves, dwarves, and men. Yeah, powerful and far-sighted, they could shape new life forms even from these imperfect materials. So they were there; they just tweaked them. So it's a little Warhammer Darwinism going on. Here. Yeah, I get it. You know, the idea that there's a spaceship under one of these temples <laughs> is weird. It is weird. A little bit silly, but it's a little bit but silly. Okay. But we'll, we'll, yeah. we're, we're talking about a, a fantasy world full right. of dwarves, elves, and lizardmen. So. Right. <laughs> yeah, I just, I, you know, I, I do agree with you to extent. I would like to know what there's like why. They showed up in this planet had so you know limitless potential. Potential for what? What were you doing here? Right. right. That what, was what's our what's our purpose? Yeah. You know, like yeah, why so, are these guys here? I I do think it's pretty cool though. There's a lot of neat stuff that I just didn't quite get. You know, the right. cult of Sotek, mm-hmm. the different uh, races. 
You know, the cult of Sotek is an interesting one. That was a kind of a creation in times of in time of their war against the Skaven, right? Yes. You know what? Let's he, take. He, a, he's actually my favorite of the lizard. <laughs> uh, yeah. Let's break right there. And we'll come back. Let's take that. a break. and We'll come back with Sotek. Sounds good. Hey guys, if you're the type of person who would rather have oral surgery than put a brush to a model, then let me suggest Guild Painting Services. They're a professional painting service that pride themselves on having customer interaction like going to a local commissioned painter, but having the quality and speed of a large studio. They build, paint, and convert miniatures for all game systems. They're competitively priced, and if you want to talk quality, go to guildpainting.com and check out the quality of the miniatures that they've got on display. If you're a person who likes to have a beautifully painted army on the table but doesn't have either the time, desire, or ability to bring it to that standard, you can trust your models to the guys at Guild Painting Services at guildpainting.com. You'll be glad you checked them out. The Piranha Blade gained its name for its ability to shred its victim into bloody tatters. Like its namesake, this weapon has thousands of tiny barbed teeth that rip and tear anything they touch. Just as the many-toothed fish saws through the hardened scales of a stegodon, so too does the piranha blade rasp through armor to carve up opponents. And we're back. Back, back, back. Back, 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 back. Back, 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 back. back. The rat and the serpent. Ooh. Ooh. So, Sotek, uh, uh, traditionally the only god that was worth worshipping were the old ones, but of course these little minor gods came in and suddenly... A new god, one of the new gods, if you will. Yeah. Um, in fact, they, these shadowy entities such as Tlaxoctl, Chotek, Quatl, Zunki, Zapiti, and Huanchi, and the inscrutable... Tepak. I like him. He's the inscrutable Tepak. <laughs> I don't never heard of him, but I like him the best because he's inscrutable. But Sotek's this new upstart god and the skinks. Now, the old ones were like, yeah, whatever. Skinks, cut it out. You know, um, but there's a huge prophecy that until the tongue of the serpent shows that there's going to be hundreds of years of war with these rat people. This is a cool part of the fluff. I this, do this like is this. An it's part. my favorite part. So they set up... Um, kind of these two mortal enemies, the Skaven and the Lizardman. Jeff, as the Lizardman player, who do you feel is the arch nemesis of the Lizardman? Is it demons or is it Skaven? Uh, without a doubt, it's the Skaven. Oh, really? I would have thought as it far, I mean, maybe as a traditional enemy, the demons, because they did come from the warp and were the original cause of the demise of the Lizardmen. But as far as I'm concerned with our, my army, the, the uh, avatars of Sotek, it's the Lizard, or the, uh, the Rats. So you're a Sotek fan. Yeah, I can see that. I got to give it to the demons. I mean, that's what they're fighting. They need. They can't close the gate, but 
anytime there's a gate problem, it's I mean, the, it wasn't the it wasn't the Skaven who destroyed half of Lustria. I mean, Very it's true. That. Very however, true. when they showed up, it was a couple hundred years of battle, and they did become. I mean, I think of all the races to show up to Lustria, the lizard or uh, the Skaven were there the longest and caused the most damage. Agreed. They're, they were the thorn in the side of the Lizardmen, whereas the the demons were the main protagonists. So in the early years of the Skaven-Lizardmen conflict, what were the Skaven trying to do? Did just collect the artifacts and gold, etc.? Now, this is mostly in the Skaven book, actually. There's more, and I didn't. I should have pulled that out and gone through it more, but... Um, yeah, the, the plague monks actually showed up there. I don't know if they were banished or if they were looking for something... I forget exactly what the fluff was, and I feel almost such a bad fluff meister. I, I think I remember that reading that too. Yeah, I, but yeah, it was they got here and they saw all this, and of course, there's all these things that they could collect, gold and trinkets and stuff. Yeah, warp stone. Well, it isn't. It isn't until the arrival of the forked tongue comet, as the lizard men put it, mm-hmm. well, yeah, the, that the they call down. Yeah, right. Oh no! They see the they see the 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 twin-tailed comet in the sky, and that was the signal that this was going to happen. I thought I read that the lizardmen, the Slon, actually called down that comet. No, they called down a celestial body and whomped it right on. And I think that was was that Teto Echo. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. was Teto Echo. Yeah, yeah, it and, wasn't and it the was comet. Quite it, so the the defiled, I believe, was the city. Correct. Yes, uh-huh. but it it was uh, it was a different. Um, D- different celestial body. Yeah, but they called it down and, and smashed it, and that's when they saw all the tunnels underneath. And I think that's why oh, the Skaven, yeah. that's why the Skaven are such an important nemesis, because you know when the demons are coming, because they come with the winds of magic, and they mm-hmm. come when it. Then you know where they're coming from. But the Skaven have somehow tunneled under everything, and they show up, and it's like, I mean, they're like ant, you know, it's right. like an ant farm. You can't. I mean, they've had to seal off cities and just guard around it, and that's when. Sotex serpents now. There's no rats coming out of those tunnels because it's full of snakes full of and poisonous animals. Um, but yeah, this this battle, I mean, it, it, to the point where the Slan actually acknowledged Sotek as a god hmm. because they're like... Well, that that took some doing. It was behind closed doors and there was a council between the, the Slan and uh, the prophet of Sotek and they the Slan didn't allow anything to be recorded, but when it was all said and done... Uh, they said that they would recognize Sotek as one of the gods. Yeah, this was cool. I'm, I want to read that part right out of that. Um, when, with the Skaven defeated, the Slan mage priests could no longer ignore the power of the new skink god. Because, you know, especially when the Skaven, that they finally traced him out, and they went to their boats and tried to leave, and the giant <laughs> serpent comes out of the water Man, and starts devouring them. them. I mean, that's like, oh, so, so wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, that's just that's just crazy. Um, and then it says they declared a great convergence, a physical meet. So this is where, I mean, the mage priests actually, instead of being on their tops of Astrally their temples, projected. they actually physically all get together. Every single slan was conveyed to Itza, where they gathered in a convocation. Tehenhoin, or whatever it is, the prophet of Sotek was summoned to speak before the slan. By their orders, his words were not recorded. None but those present knows what truth what truths were revealed, but in the council's wake, the mage priest declared it was fitting that Sotek be venerated and that pyramid temple be built in his honor. That's just kind of cool. It's another wow. It's like you know, they, and they write down everything. You can mm-hmm. almost say uh, it eats a slon party. <laughs> <laughs> it eats a party anyway. Oh God. 
but yeah, that's why he's my my favorite god is because he he is um, their acknowledgement of him is so wrapped in mystery, but he is in the present history the most active god in in the lizardman timeline. So that's that's why I like to focus on on Sotek. Yeah, they don't really go into much detail with the other gods at all. Not that I, I read at least. No, they just kind of mention them. I yeah. mean, like sometimes they'll talk about them when in references to the cities, um, but really they don't have a a lot of descriptions of them, except unscrutable. All right. So what else do we got going here? Um, Age of Strife. This is. I think this is pretty cool. How um, you know they let these in? I love when the dark elves show up. They find those tunnels underground. Underground from yeah. Nagar from Nagari. Yeah, the the underground sea. Yeah, mm-hmm. so they they come through, and th- even the salon have they, they look at them. Oh, it's more of those elf people, and you know the, the clothes. Well, let's watch and see what they do. Yeah, they just see elves showing up again. They got different clothes, but what is you know that means right. nothing to them. Right. And these ones start acting bad, you know, and well, they sack a city. Yeah, right? and and they're going to war. Whereas the other elves came in exploring and wanting to meet and this. These guys just come in stealing and killing, plundering and killing, and it just basically convinced the lizard men that okay, something's not right. Like there, something's gone horribly wrong with the plan. Right. Because even this, yeah, it, it's been corrupted. It's not just chaos anymore. This is one of those instances where the invaders end up stealing something that is of value to the lizard men. Right. Yeah, the the Star Stella. That's it. Right. And then they send Gorok after it. And it has one of those great scenes. And I oh, I love those scenes where he gets stabbed by the guy and it, it hits him with that lance mm-hmm. and he can't pull it out. So he just pulls it through. Right. He just pulls shoves it, closer. it through closer yeah. and then bites the guy's head off. I'm right. like, yes. <laughs> yeah, that and then he goes through imagery. the whole battle with this thing in his body until right. it's done. Then he pulls it off. Um, and then he gets it and they return it and now it's being guarded. Um, I like when the... Uh, when the northern men come, the uh, you know, like the Norse. Yeah, when they first mentioned uh, it, I didn't make that connection. Like, oh, they're chaos marauders. Yeah, and they're stealing stuff. And there was that great one where he says, don't go deep. Just take stuff from around here. Right. And these guys went deep, and they came out, and suddenly I, he didn't realize that these guys had done this until all the lizard men showed up and attacked. They're surrounded by their... And, and they weren't going to give up their, their gold. But then he said, oh, my God, throw that stuff over the edge, whatever you took. And they come up. And they're throwing all this gold and stuff over. You took something. They come up and take one plaque, and then they turn around. The battle's right. over. They walk away. Hey, they said, go get the... And once again, the Saurus are given a command, go get the plaque. They show up, and they're killing everything but in it, their wake. It's strange, though, that the, this, this town, the settlement, mm-hmm. Skeggy, it's called. Yeah. They leave it. Because and it's, they the, were, it's the only human settlement on Lustria that they just let be. I think it's the only non-Lizardman settlement. Well, they show Isn't up it? way off to the side. Yeah, yeah, the human settlement. And the Slan have said, basically, as long as they don't take anything important, leave them alone. The other guys who set up settlements and get destroyed go deep into Lustria and are are hitting the wrong... You know, It's one of those things. It says in here, as long as you don't hit the wrong place, you can pretty much get in and get out. I suppose. A little bit of a double standard. Hiles guess, didn't even have a settlement, and they got smacked. Well, that was that was a big mistake. Relax. <laughs> it you know, it's you know what? Why is it always the elves that get okay, they show up, oh, we were misunderstood, we got killed. The war of the beard. The elves who I know the dark elves started it. Oh look, we do this, we're misunderstood. It's always the elves who are misunderstood. Maybe they need to look in a mirror and think maybe their haughtiness <laughs> well, and, No, no. It's I don't know. the lizard men are just too <laughs> sorry, Jeff, but just too dumb to 
well, you know, to they realize are, their mistake. <laughs> you don't belong here. Kill them. Death ensues. <laughs> well, with an attitude like like that, Chris, it's no wonder they got slaughtered. <laughs> <laughs> Save it for the tabletop draft. That we'll settle on the table. <laughs> um, but I did love that one. It almost reminded me of that thing from the Orc book where they go and they're sacking the city. Yeah. And they're just about to crash in, and then they're about to, let's go kill them all. Now nah, the fight's out of yeah. them. Let's go find let's a go real over fight. There. Yeah. They sent this. They sent the Sorosin. Get this panel. Okay, we got the panel. Should we destroy the city? No, we were told to get the panel, not destroy the city. They follow instructions pretty literally, and I just love it. They're that dumb. I mean, that that, that explains the initiative really slow right, yeah. and just this cold blooded. I mean, they are. They're just like they're pretty dim. They're vicious as hell when they're aroused, but they're pretty dim. So let's see what else. I love how they talk a lot about how um, Morsleeb, the Chaos Moon. Yeah. How when it comes out of the Chaos Gate, and once again, it explains how the moon got there. If the Chaos Gate is hovering mm-hmm. above the, the, the planet, this giant chunk of warp stone comes out. And it messes completely with their ability to read the stars and how they've been trying to knock it out of orbit right, right. for years. <laughs> Different I thought spells that, and yeah. everything. Yeah. Well, they should just get into their spaceship and go up there. Well, they don't know how to well, use it. Well, they, they actually, I believe they have a, an entire city that's dedicated to trying to get the moon out of orbit. Huh. One of the, the Astromancer city, I believe. I don't remember the Is actual the name of it. the one that's shrouded in mists and kind of a secret city? Uh, oh, there, yeah. There's that one that if you even look on it, you're dead. Yeah. It was that is was that like, the, is that the one? Uh, might be. It, it's the one where all the uh, slon that study heaven's magic go to study. Yeah. Well, there was that one who he said his, his his whenever he woke up, he gave convoluted commands. If his palanquin was pointed north towards this one place. So they go there to find out what it was, and it had been knocked off the proper. Le- That's where they found the demon impaled on the elf sword, trying to heal himself. Oh yeah, that was really cool because it was like because they're so attuned to the magic that if he's pointing towards this particular spot, he's getting confused because the chaos p- was so powerful there that it was so it, that it they- was corrupting that that spawning pool that he was hanging out in. Yeah, I mean it was just crazy. So that city of the moon that we were talking about is called. Tlaxlan, okay, Tlaxlan, there it is. That's the one. Yeah, yeah. that's that's the, that's the one they try to study to take out that moon. City of the Mist is uh, Zlan Huapec. Uh Yes, this is the auspicious alignment of the geomantic web, and the city's matrix must maintain mists. The slant's very words turn into vapor, covering up the city. Oh, and here's where they talk about uh, Zlan Huapec houses a number of ancient artifacts, including the Placid Pool, uh, the device of the Great Beyond. A communications relic through which others from far distant stars occasionally speak, and an eternity ship, a great egg-shaped vessel within which time does not flow. Yeah, these hoarded treasures are jealously guarded, and it's a death sentence for any outsider so much as glimpse the city. Yeah, it's just like <laughs> there's some really bizarre stuff going on in this book. It's, it's yeah. their Area Fifty One. Well, it is. <laughs> well, a, a communications relic through which others from far distant stars occasionally speak. What the hell? I'm picturing like Captain Picard on this big screen. Hello, <laughs> is anyone there? Well, they've got. I mean, it sounds like they've got an Ansible from Ender's Game, or they've got mm. some sort of a. I mean, it's 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 a Voxcaster almost that they've got. Here and sometimes they hear people talking from the from other places. It's like, 
And all, all they see on their end are these dumb lizard men. <laughs> so they're not saying anything. <laughs> they got these skinks wearing all they're these like, feathers looking into yeah. it, tapping it with Say it. something. Yeah. Activate the video screen. <laughs> <laughs> into the mic. Talk into the mic. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah, it's really interesting, too, I think, when you look on, what's it, page 25, when they got the picture of Lustria, and you see this geomantic web sort of traced out and it's just like this diamond shaped pattern all the lines going diagonally left to right and right to left and everything is very spaced out and um even when you read some of the fluff the slon are always looking at in fact once again going back to that uh bone thankful and bone ripper novel uh the slon contemplates the great math and everything is very you know mathematical and, sure. and their their magic is almost like science in a way yeah, of course, the they were taught it by the you know the equations and the space people. I, I wonder if uh, like the Slon's point of view when he looks out into the world, it's like the Matrix. Everything is like numbers. Oh my god! Right. Yeah, that's there that's you go. interesting. That would be cool. Actually, the but the fluff not... for my army is the Slon actually was the first one created by the old ones, but they made a, an air. They they moved like the decimal point over and over eons. It compounded until oh. it started affecting <laughs> the world around them. So they had to encapsulate him in his own little time and space bubble. That is that is cool. One little decimal <laughs> point. <laughs> Compounded by eons. Right. There you go. But yeah, I just like looking at all the lines of power and how they are in these perfect geomet. They're all diamonds. They're all evenly spaced. They run through and all of these little temples on top of it. But these exist on Lustria. But I think they also hint at these existing on other parts of the old world. Yeah, all over the world. Right, they're and, all buried deeply right. beneath other... Yeah, I, I, day races. I'm going under the assumption that the most powerful portion of it is in Lustria, which is why they're based sure, there, right. and it sort of emanates from there. But uh, just the fact that they pick up all this other stuff, where was it where they talked about how they saved the, uh, when the, when the High Elves made their, when, when Kalidor did the great uh, Vortex, yeah. and how they went in and boosted all of it. I'm trying to... Uh, unbeknownst to the High Elves, this is when the Sundering was happening, Yeah, right? To I want to close that portal. I, I, I like how they keep Mazda Mundi keeps getting awakened like three times in a decade, and he finally gets pissed and wakes up completely. This part is just, it's like fun. I'm up. Yeah, exactly. Oh boy, come on. Where is it? Oh, and the Slan had trouble remembering. Like all that. This is why you know when it says here Slan can move mountains, and you're like, then why don't they auto win in the game? Because once the chaos gates were broken and all that chaos came through, it like they couldn't even remember how to do all the most powerful spells because their heads were so clouded. It's why they sleep longer. Let's see. During the Great Ritual of the Elves, although the Great Ritual of the Elves had driven much of the power away, it had not banished entirely. Uh, the Slan identified the tremendous threats already seeking to undermine the Elves' vortex at the center of their island home of Ulthuan. Um, the Slan began the greatest undertaking of the New Age. What remained of the web was used to strengthen the Great Warding, a string of lesser siphons, defenses, and sentinels that would keep it at bay. Many mage priests spent the, the following millennia attending exclusively to this task. Uh, fourth paragraph, left column at this time. Oh, yeah, there it is. Okay, good. You found it. Yeah. The great rituals were weakening. The Slan lent their own efforts to form mighty bulwarks around the elven spell, helping to maintain the vortex. To date, the High Elven Loremaster remain unaware of this mystical aid, though perhaps the wisest of them suspected the power. So, yeah, they, you know, it's just kind of neat that you hear this story and you're like, okay, but now here's another part. You didn't know this, but right. the lizardmen in their town, anytime there's a giant magical convergence, 
the Lizardmen know about it, and since this was helping to banish chaos, they just propped it up. It actually implies that it probably would have fallen and failed by now if it wasn't for the Lizardmen. Mm-hmm. I just, I don't know. I think it's just kind of neat what these guys are doing. It is it's interesting. Just, They're very central to the Warhammer mythos. I guess I never realized how central they were. I know in the old book, you know, yes, they were the first things, and they did all this and it fell apart, but mm-hmm. I love all these fancy little details that are going in just showing that even though they don't show up you know like oh it was uh when uh the the storm of chaos this you know the storm of chaos book with uh what archaon came through Mm -hmm. and it said that uh when archaon was bringing all of his legions that big thing coming through and he was wiping stuff out uh the humans and the dwarfs and them don't realize that it was the slan who were basically nullifying some of the chaos magic coming through to keep the bigger demons from coming through. So they didn't just pour straight through the gate and overpower everybody. They were able to stem the time, tide somewhat. They would have wiped stuff out had the Lizardmen, who never actually showed up to the battle... But the, the distributed, nonetheless. The, yeah, the same <laughs> way. <laughs> the, the they may not be there physically, but they've got their their hands in about everything in the world. Yeah. Which is neat because that's such a pivotal part in the Warhammer world. And now that they've backed up the timeline, like in the Empire book, to where it's just happening, and here they're doing with the Lizard Men, where it's way past that. And they're like, yeah, when that was happening, we we made sure that it, they we cut their <laughs> we, power we kept it enough. Manageable. We kept the power cut the power enough that you guys are yeah because it actually mentions Magnus the Pious. And how he did this great thing, but he couldn't have even done that had the lizard men not right. been helping and dampening the evil guy's magic so he could stop them in time. It's, it's just it's interesting how at least the good books I say good books, but they, they kind of frame themselves like none of you would be here if it weren't for us. Right? The elf book has a the lot of that have in there. That. The lizard men have that. So it's, it's very interesting. But we all know it's actually the lizard men who you wouldn't be here if it weren't for the lizard men. I'm not even going to try to claim it was the dwarves because the dwarves are like, screw you all. We're going into caves. We're digging our holes and we're growing beards. <laughs> let's, go but, bra- yeah. let's go braid our beards in a cave. There you go. I'm not, I'm not I'll braid yours if you braid mine. Watch it. There are no dwarf women. <laughs> Isn't that what the saying is? That's what okay. we're saying, David. Yeah, whatever. Anyway, so. Uh, it gets lonely in the caves. <laughs> hard to see. You have to operate Back by to the touch. lizard men. <laughs> Jack Holery is ensuing here. Yes, back to the lizard men. So what else do we need to cover fluff-wise? Oh, dude, I kind of think we basically covered most everything. Well, you know, it really paints them that they're, the lizard men are hanging on to their, the twilight of their race by their fingernails because there's only, what, four great cities left? Yeah. That's yeah, four it. living cities. That's not, uh, that's not too good. I don't. I don't even think they're hanging on to that twilight. I think they've realized that that's past, and they're in a new age. Yeah, they and, do reference the yeah, new age. It references like you know, it, it's the new normal. They they used to be a great empire. Now they're just um, settling in on on what they've got now and taking it from there. Yeah, I think in in in, in a different sort. Of, like I think the elves are still trying to cling as they're, they're a dying. They're sort of a dying race or a dying power, clinging to their golden age. Where these guys realize. It's past, and if we want any chance of getting the great plan together... The great plan. And it just basically comes down to it. We have to wipe out all chaos. And so it, that's at this point, that's all they know. Wipe out chaos well, is, is our objective. Yeah. We don't know why. Well, no. I mean, well, that, they, they, they don't tell us, but he said he read those things, and it was right before yeah. the wipeout, says... 
the plan can be enacted. So they must know at least most of what the plan is, but they're not telling us either. I'm glad someone knows. But uh, they can't do it. To crush demons, see them driven before you, and to hear the lamentations of their gods. So, yeah, but I mean, that's basically all while the dwarves hide. Crush the evil and anything that's not going to help us crush the evil. Right. If you're not with us, you're against us. So there's lizard men fluff in a nutshell. I liked it a lot. I really did. I mean, there's it's some one weird of my favorite to it, Warhammer stories. There are parts that I love and parts that just don't do it for me. The egg spaceship being the biggest defender, <laughs> I think. <laughs> Where time doesn't time doesn't pass in right, the egg a, a ship. Big, a big video screen next to it with some guy. It's like, talk to us. Communicate with us. Well, stuff comes through sometimes. So, you know. Sure, it might be some infomercials or look <laughs> <laughs> at the sham wow guy coming yeah. on there. See, I'm I'm actually wondering if if there's some sort of uh, being in there that they might release in like a new book, like uh, if they're going for a new monster or a new lord level caster or something. There might be something trapped inside the ship that just hasn't aged since it landed. That would be cool. Yeah, that's possible. I, I enjoy all the fluff pretty much from all the books, but this one really just seemed to flesh out. Like, and I guess part of it is because I really, like I said, I didn't read all the fluff from the last book because once it was like space lizards, I was just like, okay, whatever. Uh, and I sort of put it aside. And now I'm reading this. And it's like they really fill out like all those little gaps in some of the stories. It, like the lizard men fluff seems just like. It, it spans the entire world. Right. Right. And it's so epic. Yeah. I mean, it may, it's, it's, it's like I really enjoyed the high elf fluff too, because it really shows you the length and breadth and the longevity of their race and all right. the things they did. And then you read this, it's like, well, this is even more, right? Even more so. So I, I really did. Uh, I felt this was this was a really great, uh, a great bit of fluff, with with some few obvious. I, I don't know if I'd call them flaws, but there's some things that I would like to know that more raise about. an eyebrow. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> quirks. So okay, well that's fluff in a nutshell. Yeah, uh, a pretty big nutshell. <laughs> right. We got some big nuts here, but uh, <laughs> so uh, steady on there, David. Uh, last break before we come and start talking game in-game stuff. So yep. we'll be right back. back in a moment. It's Dave. I'm here to talk to you about Square Shooters at squareshooters.com. What's Square Shooters? It is the first deck of cards on dice. Nine dice, six sides. That's a full deck and two jokers. There are all sorts of ways you can use this dice. You can use it in place of cards. You can use it in conjunction with cards. You can put entirely new components together. You can even invent bolt-ons within an existing game where you had a little side game with the dice. Okay, so what's the point? What does this have to do with wargaming? Well... They're going to be running a contest later this year. If you are a creative game designer, you can submit it to the Square Shooters Game Design Forum at forum.squareshooters.com. Prize will include limited publishing for the grand prize winning title. So follow them on Facebook and Twitter for updates when the contest will begin and how to enter. That's squareshooters.com. Hey folks, it's Dave. Are you looking for that special model to add to your army? A monstrous creature or maybe a character model. 
Something unusual that not everybody else is fielding on their table? Well, then you should check out Mears Miniatures at MearsMiniatures.com. Their Darklands line is full of some of the most fantastic creature models you'll ever see. And with the success of their recent Kickstarter, those models will be perfect for you to play in their forthcoming Darklands game. So whether you're looking for a new skirmish-level game to play with lots of cool monstrous creatures, or you're just looking for that extra special model to add to your existing game's line, Mears Miniatures is really worth your time. Check them out at Mears-Miniatures.com. And seriously, guys, you'll be glad you did. back again welcome back to the show folks hope you enjoyed that last little interlude here we go all right let's get into some uh for for those of you who don't care about fluff because you're just power gamers i guess we'll get to the rules uh army special rules uh we've got what four I think well three rules and and a, and a weapon rule mm-hmm. yeah three rules and special weapons uh, Cold blooded is still there, same as it always was. Cold blooded is awesome. Now that we, yeah, been, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I like it quite a bit. Is, I, I tried to play dark elves at one point, just a little bit, but I just couldn't handle the two dice for the leadership test. <laughs> the, like the what the rest of us mortals have to deal with. <laughs> yeah, it's like what 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 is this? <laughs> <laughs> Would you rather be cold blooded or immune to psych? Cold-blooded all day, oh, every yeah. day. Yeah. With immune to psych, you can't, uh, you can't choose your charge reaction. You got to hold. Yeah, that that really is a good rule. Yeah, but I didn't. I don't. I I haven't played. Uh, I haven't played Lizardmen that much. And when I had to play against Rotor, it was like fear just never affected them. They, you know, yeah, fear, panic. Even yeah. break checks a lot of the times because they're they're close to the salon they get a reroll or they're yeah I mean if you're if you're near the salon and if you use your BSB then you're pretty much not failing your it's leadership tests yeah. yeah it's I mean it's it's kind of crazy how good that is I didn't realize it and then even when you were playing against Grant Grant's been playing lizards a lot and it's just like man and you know I I it's it's a really powerful rule but i like it cuz it's a rule that really plays to the fluff uh, especially right. when you read this these these sorus are single minded you say go do it and they go do it they don't break off and they don't you really have to chop the hell out of them or I they're mean, too dim-witted to react yeah i was about well, yeah. to say they're too slow to recognize the danger so yeah because the only time it seems that they will break is it cuz even on three dice having to having to uh i mean if you got snake eyes or or three or four if you can get them down to that Far down on a break check, you'll break them. But you got to really bust them down to like five or six to even have a chance. It seems Correct. like that, right? I mean, it's it's not. And I mean, if you're into their combat box, chances are you're either into the temple guard and they're going to be stubborn, or you're into the source and they might have a stubborn scarvet in there. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Is there anything else outside of the lizardman that has the cold blooded rule? Just the Empire from the, the uh, standard ground or whatever it is oh, the captain gives right. the unit, but I think that's only on break tests. Right, yeah. So that, okay. yeah, exactly. So that's, it's just, 
it, that's just really good. I just it's, it makes them reliable. Yeah, uh, even with a slightly lower leadership on some of them, it's still it's still pretty good. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, now leadership five, like some of the skink, it's the skink stuff. I mean, that's still bad, but. But, yeah, having the third dice certainly helps your odds there. Exactly. Or even on the, the stuff where you have to take a leadership test for a spell or, um, you know, any of those things where you're like, you have to roll an extra dice, so you're rolling four dice and removing the highest and the lowest, so you have a better chance of passing those as well. This is true. Let's talk a little bit about Predatory Fighter. This seems to be a controversial special rule. Oh, yeah, I was going to go to that last. I was figuring we'd cover the other ones and then come to this. What do you think of Predatory Fighter, Jeff? I, I I think it's an interesting rule. I really like the concept. Um, I, I think just having the skink chief or the skink character being able to restrain the unit, I, I wish it was any character, uh, but I, I understand how that plays into the fluff. Um, I, I like that little wrinkle for what it's worth. It, yeah, I mean, and it, it's not going to be that much of an issue. Well, almost everybody has one or two skink priests already, so you, you just keep them close to the unit and you have a way to mitigate that. So... Uh, it's a nice rule, and they gave a way to mitigate the negative. So I think it's going to ultimately balance out. But being able to get those extra attacks on the six are really going to help out in the combats. Because when I was in combats with my big blocks, oftentimes it would just be a a matter of a few combat points or resolution, and that would cause me to break. So just having the opportunity to get those extra attacks... And it's yet to be determined whether or not it's just the front rank or the whole unit. If it's the whole unit, then I have absolutely no problem with the skink tax at all. You know, when I so David, for the sake of our listeners, could you go through and explain what the predatory fighter rule does? Sure. Whenever a model with this special rule rolls a six to hit, it immediately makes another attack. You roll to hit and to wound is normal. Uh, now it doesn't get extra attacks if those are sixes. Right. It stops there. Right. Um, in addition, a unit that contains one or more models with this can only test to restrain pursuit if there's a skink, at least one skink character model, uh, chief, priest, uh, Tehenowain, Teto Echo, Tic Tac Toe, whatever, within six inches. So it's not to overrun, it's just to pursue. Just the pursuit. Correct. It's like frenzy light almost. Frenzy light, huh? But without the benefit of getting the extra attack. Um, yeah. Well, now, you've been really nice about this, Jeff, because just about every other podcast I've heard so far, people who play lizard men are like, you know, this is the thing that they're the going attack. nuts I'm, about. I'm trying to take a positive outlook on it. This is my army for better or for worse. So, well, you, you uh, know, as one that doesn't play lizard men but will be playing against them often, the way I read this rule is that supporting attacks, it would apply to those. Well, here's I, I don't see why it wouldn't. Well, okay, I suppose it could use an FAQ for no other reason than people are arguing it a lot. But well, it's because in, in the BRB, in the supporting tax, it says specifically you only get one supporting attack regardless of special rules or anything like that. But also in the BRB, it says if there is a rule that directly contradicts a rule in the BRB that the Army book takes precedent. And that's so my point. Personally, exactly. I think it applies to the whole unit, but ultimately I think it will have to go to an FAQ because there is that gray area. And when you're talking about the difference between extra attacks from the front rank or extra attacks from the entire unit, it makes a huge difference, especially with the spears. I'm going to go on the record here with my prediction is that it's going to count for the whole unit. I would agree with that. And here's my reasoning. A couple of things. First of all, yes, the BRB says you don't get it from extra. I think they're referring to things like frenzy, things things like that. 
where okay, if the unit's frenzied, the second row still only gets one right. attack. Or, or models with uh, multiple attacks. Yeah, those are general mm-hmm. rules. That are in the BRB. Exactly. So it says, regardless of special rules, I think that, because it also... It actually says, whenever a model with this special rule... Yeah. It it, it it comes as a special rule. Army book trumps... Army book trumps BRB, so I don't see why it wouldn't. Um, Plus, if they say no, then you have to do what other people are doing, which I got to roll for my front rank, and then I got to roll for my back rank. Yeah, that that feels like clunky dice mechanics if you do it it, that way. I mean, it's not impossible, but I think it it just kind of makes it... uh, It overcomplicates it. Unnecessary, yeah. yeah. I mean, I know there's people who are rolling separately. I know there's people who are... Rolling all their dice, and basically, if you have like say, say you've only got five in the front rank, it's five wide. If you roll more than five sixes, you only count five of them because it's you just assume all sixes no, go to the front rank. Feel right? It, it exactly. It doesn't make any sense. Army book trumps BRB. And, and to be honest, having played, I've only played Loser Men against them once, and based on that game, I think the extra models need that attack. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, on paper, Soros look fantastic, but any Lisbon player that's played with them for any appreciable amount of time is going to recognize their shortcomings pretty quick. Yeah. But, and that's the the initiative one, weapon skill three. So, yeah. But I'm also looking at this predatory fighter, and I know you said, because you are, I mean, Jeff, you're being, I mean, for me to say that you're looking at the bright side when everybody, you know... When, I'm, I'm trying not to be Debbie Downer. I mean, when uh, I'll be honest here, when I first heard that rule, I just stared in disbelief. I mean, I, I was uh, in shock at it. But um, you know, this is the book. Was We're not like getting one for powerful. another few years, so you, you got to learn with, to work with the tools no. that you have. Or in shock, as in, man, this rule sucks. Yes. <laughs> well, see, I, okay, I don't know. I think it's a good fluff rule. Like fluff wise, it's not very powerful. Um, but you were even nicer than I would be. But b- part of it is, okay, I get a couple extra sixes, which means I get an extra attack. So there's then I still have to hit and to wound. So even if I get like three extra attacks, I might only get one extra wound. But as you did point out, Jeff, sometimes it comes down to one or two extra, one or two extra wounds. Mm-hmm. Or, I mean, especially where I think this is going to shine is on the character. Because when, when you've got that Scarvet with the great weapon and he's trying to crack some armor... If you're able to get one or two strength seven extra attacks in there, that that can make a world of difference. Yeah, in a challenge, you know, every once in a while, you know, you throw three, four dice and you hit a couple of sixes, and it's like, oh wow, okay. You know, and it gets things like undead that crumble. Those one or two can make a huge difference. Exactly. Um, I, I think the skink tax is a little bit much on it. Like I said, I, I wish it would have worked with if you had a character in the unit. Then you you didn't have to test or you didn't have to uh, overrun, but um, but I mean it is what it is. I, that's why I said I think it's a good fluff rule. It makes sense. First of all, these things are so like you said, so they're single minded. You know, because but, but also in the rules it says that in times of war everybody defers to the source and that they are bred for war, knowing strategy and tactics. And it just seems a little odd to me that without a skink there saying, "Hey guys, you, I think you should back up a little bit," that they'll just run off into the middle of nowhere. True. I just like I said, I saw it more as it's you get that six, you draw a little blood, they get a little blood crazy. They get that extra attack. Right, the light They're frenzy. gonna pursue. I'm going yeah. to kill you. If you run, I'm gonna get you. The, whereas the skinks are a little more level-headed, and they're the ones because they don't even have the rule. The skinks don't have it, so they're the ones who they're not affected by it. 
so you keep them around. I mean, granted, we can all look at our book and say, well, yeah, if it would have been a, any character, then you just put a, you just put cheap characters in your units, and then suddenly you get the bonus with no. I mean, you know, you, everyone would just throw a scarvet or something into the unit, and boom, I don't have to worry about this. The, having to pursue, I think. That, mm-hmm. I think fluff-wise, based on the fluff that they've written now for this particular book, showing how how much the skinks are sort of seem to be leading a lot of these things. Um, I think it's. I think fluff-wise, it's a good rule. Um, are there are there problems? I didn't realize how bad. I'm like, geez, it's pursuing. I pursue most of the time anyway. You know what I'm saying? Because it's not overrun. If you yeah, wipe them that, out, you that can... could leave you in a vulnerable position, though. Yeah, and and I mean, things that I've thought of is if you put a unit of fast cav, like say if you had a unit of pterodons under the flank of a Saurus unit, and they'll likely kill enough of them that they will break, and then the Saurus would have to pursue. Uh, I mean, that's kind of a, giving that example in a vacuum. I mean, there, of course, will be other elements involved with that, but there are going to be situations that good players are going to be able to take advantage of. And, uh, I mean, I think you're going to find that tournament players are immediately going to be trying to kill those skink priests because right. they've only got the leadership of, I think they even got lowered to five. I can't remember if they're a five or a six, but, I mean, you hit them with a, a spirit leech or any of the other of the snipe spells, then you're probably just going to take them out. Out in a single go, and then you've got control or a little bit more control over your opponent's Saurus, their yeah. main big blocks, which could really put a, a kink in their plans. Yeah, I think it was on the Dwellers cast that I didn't. I mean, I, I, I just, I mean, I so often pursue, and once, once again, with Undead, I have so many weird things about just combat, you know, and charging and not being able to do things. But he was saying he's going to take, a, he'll take a goblin hero on, on a on a wolf or something. He goes, I'll hit him in the flank. They won't get that many attacks back. They probably won't kill it. It will definitely break. And then if I hit him in the flank, I can drag him all the way to the side. And I was like, oh, wow, yeah, I guess that could totally mess you up, which then you need a couple of little skink skirmish, you know, tiny skink units off on the sides to keep that from happening. To box them in. You know. Well, you know, more importantly, if if, if they're off pursuing in a direction you don't want them to mm-hmm. they you might not be able to reform them to help out another combat elsewhere and and they are slow i mean if they yeah. get moved out of place they're going to be taking a couple of turns just to get back in position i'm not saying that it it doesn't potentially suck for the lizardman player i'm saying i didn't realize how much it potentially sucked yeah. for the lizardman no. player <laughs> okay um but i like i said as a fluff rule and i mean granted that i mean fluff rules are things that will completely f you up <laughs> when mm-hmm. at, at, at the, the worst right moment yeah, right. you know it's like All you, animosity you with the goblin i mean how many games did we play where you literally on the last turn that animosity roll so screwed you up that i was able to turn the tide too many times too exactly many, i mean times. it's it's annoying as hell and as far as tournament play goes i could see people being like oh god this is this is awful well i like but, it you know it's a good challenge yeah and there's ways to mitigate it like i said sure. a, a couple of small things whether they be swarms or skink things off to the flanks now granted if you got something that can fly that can get between the blocker and the side you can still do it but uh so so you got to be a little more cagey with them or you got to have a couple extra skink characters floating around i mean yeah, it's a finesse. It was a finesse army to begin with, and you're really going to have to to know how to use your your army to play this anymore. Do you think it's become more so a finesse army, Jeff? Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. it is. Um, I mean, ultimately, I think 
you're not going to see a whole lot of source. I think you'll see big blocks of Temple Guard, but I think you're going to see big units of Skinks. And to be able to win with that kind of list, you're really going to have to use uh, your Skinks to full effect. And when you're running around with a tough two model, you really got to right. know how to use the finesse get the to, to get <laughs> things into place. Here's a question for you. So rolling to hit, if you roll a six on this rule, you get the extra attack, right? Correct. If you have a spell in play, like Enchanted Blades of Ibon, it grants you a plus one bonus to hit. Does that mean that you get that extra roll to hit if you roll a five? I don't believe so, no. Oh, it doesn't yeah, work um, that way? I don't think so either because it says you have to roll a six. It rolls a six, oh, roll yeah. A six. It's not okay. a, a modified six. Gotcha. Yeah, because if you get a plus one to hit you on Killing Blow, you don't get Killing Blow on a five. On a five, true. Yeah. When I read it, I was like, wow, that really fits to the fluff that they've written. in Because I actually... I normally kind of page through the the army list, but after I realized from hearing things that there was only about three or four new units, I actually read the fluff first. So when I read this, I was, you know, I just thought it was a cool fluff rule, which usually you see on special characters. Like, oh, that's that's a rule that really probably never going to come into play, but it's it's interesting. Making it an army special rule. Well, it's, you know. it's keeping in theme with what they're doing. They're taking yeah. the focus from individual characters and magic items kind of spreading it around to the whole army as a holistic yeah. kind of approach. I, I think it's neat. I can see why lizard players... It's funny. The people I know who don't play lizards generally are like... They, you know, or now I see a lot of people thinking about playing lizards. They're having fun with this list. The people who've been playing lizards, like they, they, their initial reaction was like, oh, oh man, what happened to my army? <laughs> we, I mean, we feel the change is the deepest. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, not everybody's complaining. I think in the beginning people went, ugh, but now they're like, no, it's still a powerful army. I think the consensus is it's still a pretty good army. It just didn't get enough new toys, I think, is what I think the biggest. And a lot of the new toys that came out, I don't think you'll be seeing on the table very frequently. If you're a fluff gamer, I think you will. Cause I, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, think I mean, the, the new book definitely gave you the option to explore new viable lists, but I think ultimately the, the tournament builds, you're not going to see change too much. You're not going to see too many best of Ladons or things like that. Now, once again, I'm not worried about that because a, I'm not playing them right now, and b, I think I, you know I like to see the I like to see the fluff list. I think that they're it's cool to bring in things like that. It's refreshing so. to see something different. Mm -hmm. And they definitely gave you that option now. Whereas if you were doing that with the old book, you were basically just um, saying to your opponent, "Hey, I'm just here for fun. Go ahead and take my toys off." I mean, if you take a bunch of stags, which apparently now you can you can have like four or five, you can fit like four or five of them in between the rares and the hero slots and stuff. Four or five of those and a couple of troglodons and a bestilodon, you could have a huge monster, monster army. And outside of blood and glory, you could have a little fun with that. I mean, it you know it may not be the best mix, but I, I guess I guess what I'm saying is I just I like that in this book. You now have a lot of options to take different types of lists. Um, they Again, may not, that's been the trend. Yeah, that's been the trend, and, and they stuck books. with it, well, except for the core, which we'll get to later because that was, the, you know, <laughs> that'll be the second half. Yeah, right. right. Yeah, we'll get to that. So speaking I'm holding of, back. Uh, I'm trying to hold back. <laughs> speaking of uh, army-wide and, and fluffy rules, we also have the aquatic special rule. I really like the way this has changed. I think this is going to make especially chameleon skinks, uh, basically immune to bow fire or just ballistic skill fire. But, of course, you have to have a water feature on the table first. But um, 
Now, the regular Strider rules, because it follows Strider rules, because it gives a mark. Now, regular Strider rules says that they don't have to take dangerous terrain tests. Correct. So automatically, if, they, if they're going through this stuff where normally you would have to take a dangerous terrain test, they're exempt from that, which is cool. But then they can march. They get rank bonuses. They can be steadfast, even in a marsh or river. And if every model has a, the aquatic rule in the unit and most of them are in the marsh or the river, it's minus one to hit with shooting. And that that's is the money useful. shot right there. I, I don't know. I think it's the um, claim rank bonus and be steadfast. I think the minus one to hit penalty just helps them to survive and maintain. Their yeah, you know, I didn't status. even really think about it, but you could park a, a block of a skink infantry in there, and they would hold up whatever came right. against them for quite some time because they're, they're able to hold those ranks and the enemy isn't. Yeah. And a lot of times, you, I mean, when we've been playing even, when people have been throwing, because I know Grant's been throwing some aquatic, yeah, yeah. now that he's got them, sure, he might right. as well use it. <laughs> yeah. But uh, you see a lot of ponds. You don't necessarily see a lot of rivers cutting through things. And in a pond scenario, you can get most of your skinks in there and... and and be steadfast. Yeah, and if they have to get destroyed, I mean, people. I think you'd almost hesitate because you don't want to go if they're if they're just a little like the front rank is a little back inside the pond. You don't want to charge into them even because then you're partially in the in the pond too, and you don't have striders, mm-hmm. so suddenly you don't have ranks. You right. don't get steadfast, and th- even their static combat res suddenly jumps up against you because you don't get those things. Well, then it becomes a, uh, a you know a tactical. Question. Yeah. You know, they're, they are only stink, uh, skinks. I was going to say mm-hmm. stinks. <laughs> they're, they're, <laughs> no, they're you got it right. They stink. <laughs> well, I mean, it doesn't have to be fast. skinks, yeah. Uh, but does anything else have the special rule? Aquatic? I, I uh, just didn't automatically assume. Oh, do Croxador have it too? And well, I'm pretty sure Razor Dons and Salamanders as well. Well, they wouldn't need. They wouldn't get rank bonuses or anything like that. I'm just saying if but you... But still be steadfast. If you're... If you've got, and not have to take dangerous trains. Right. If you've got it, say, off on the side, like it's not in the center, you got a nice, a nice sized pond off on the side, you can move up a block of skinks. And once again, this is all conditional. But right. I'm just thinking out loud. Suddenly, a big block of skinks, you know, regular skinks, come up along the side. They're steadfast. They got all these things. They're in that river part. So suddenly, you've got something that's normally not considered tough or really good that could help at least slow down roadblock that flank a, a lot more because you don't usually see those things right in the middle of the board. So if it's off to the side, I mean, completely ultra-conditional. you got to have every, you know, the stars have to align for it to come up and play and work. But I'm picturing a pond off on the edge of the board or off to the side of the board. These guys come up and suddenly it's like, well, it's going to, you know, what you thought was going to be a quick run through a bunch of the, of the crappy stuff the chaffy stuff into the flank into suddenly suddenly becomes a much bigger speed bump. So I mean that's I'm looking for the bright side. No, I, I see <laughs> that. You know, I, I think then it becomes a question of keeping that salamander or those skinks alive, mm-hmm. right? To hold up whatever unit you don't want to face right now. Right. Not in turn two or three, but maybe in five or six, you can swing back around and, and take care of it. So I think looking at it in that light from a tactical point of view, I think things like magic, which the Salon Excel at. Right. Something like um, Speed of Light cast on, on those skinks, mm-hmm. giving them weapon skill 10, making them harder to hit, keeping a ri- around for much longer to maintain that speed block status, speed bump status. You know, things like that. You know, so the tactical 
combinations really start to come into light then when you throw in all these rules. And when they do get in there and they become this annoying little bunch of bastards, you can't even just shoot them off easy because <laughs> right. Yeah, they the got the negative one to hit. one to hit. See, I mean, so I mean, once again, the stars have to align for it to work for you. This is not something you can rely well, on as a if, tactic. If a salon is aligning those stars, it's not that hard a test. Oh uh, yeah, I, I think the lizardmen should have a, another special rule where they bring a aquatic feature like what elves bring a forest. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's face it though, if you're going to have mean, a 12, 12 foot or a twelve inch lake just in the right. middle, of the <laughs> just have the whole thing be one big body of water. <laughs> yeah, you know, you're fighting in a swamp. Everything steadfast all the time. <laughs> Welcome to the jungle, baby. <laughs> um, or you know what? But I mean, let's face it. If you're if we're playing like we normally play, if you're playing by the rules and we're rolling dice to see how many pieces of terrain we're taking turns placing terrain, and you're the lizard men player, throw a lake on the side. Sure, I mean, yeah. if you've got the opportunity, I mean, is that gamey? No, I don't think so. You know, it, you know, if you can pick terrain and you have that terrain. I mean, I I predict seeing you know a few more pieces of water terrain on when you're playing at home, when the players get to pick their stuff. I mean, lizardmen players right now all over the world, they're done painting their armies. Now they're building you know, they're, sure water features. Water 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 why would you? <laughs> you know, and why not? Exactly. So, I don't know. Outside of cold blooded, none of these are really great, but I think they all really work to the fluff, which makes me happy. I, I can see aquatic being. Pretty useful. Yeah. I think probably more useful than Predatory Fighter. I, I, I agree. I, it just it, uh, Being aquatic in the old book was one of those things that really made those Scrox units shine as well because they could just bounce right through those water features and plug into somebody. But um, as we'll get into the second section, those have kind of changed a bit as well. Okay. And then they get their uh, blow pipes and javelin rules. Which instead of saying the jungle poison special rule, they just made their own profiles for the weapons, which I kind of like. Yeah, it, it makes well, it makes it simpler. Once again, you know, GW is learning to hey, if we already have that rule, let's not make another rule and just call it something else. You know, that's sort of like you know the war machine thing, where mm-hmm. these are all the names, and you know, call it what you know. No, put, just cleaning up and tightening things yeah, up. Yeah, put whatever yeah. flavor you want on it, but this is what it's called. I, I got to tell you, the Lizardman poison shooting is just ugh, it is it, amazing. It's one of the, the best parts of the army. I mean, the, the salamanders and the skinks are the bread and butter of the Lizardman army, and skinks would not be what they were without the poison. You know, it's funny. There's been all this talk between blowpipes and javelins because javelins are quick to fire. You know, so you've got that 12-inch, and they, they're still poisoned, but they're quick to fire, which means you can stand and shoot at any point with them. Right. You know, And also, it, it's strength as user, so if you hit them with a wild form or something, you could potentially up that strength, um, oh, and each of them has their own merits, but really, I think with the, the javelin, it's that you get the shield, so you have that better pip of armor save. And the quick to fire is nice, but um, ultimately, you're, you're really, you've got... 10 shots and you're looking for sixes most of the time. So, I mean, it's not like that's going to make a huge difference in my opinion. Okay. True. I want to bring this up and I'm just asking about now the, now the blowpipes get multiple shots. Okay. Now I see this all the time when I, when I've played lizards or when I've even played Skaven, you get the multiple shots. Okay. Multiple shots. It's minus one to hit for the multiple shots. for the multiple shots. Okay. So often you'll see, especially when I was playing with them, okay, they moved and they're at long range, so now they need sixes. And now I'm doing double shots, and so I get twice as many shots, but they need six by four, right? Right. 
statistically, numerically, multiple shots gives you no bonus if you're at that point. If you're hitting on fives, now you're hitting on sixes. You get twice as many shots, but only hitting, instead of hitting on one-third of the numbers, you're hitting on one-sixth. Right. So one-third of five is exactly the same as one-sixth of ten. Mm-hmm. Or one, you know, uh, ten shot, ten rolls needing sixes is statistically the exact same as 20 shots needing sixes and then re-rolling them and only getting half of the fours. Okay. I'm just... I'm just. The, the always, difference is is the auto wound because when you're rolling those hits that you've got to wound on a strength three, um, you're only going to get. I mean, if they're tough three, you're only going to get fifty percent of those. And when you're shooting at monsters or something, that's where the poison really shines. Right, and I. But they both have poison, and I'm just saying a lot of people like that multiple shots with the poison. Oh, I got the multiple shots, you know. But I mean, even with now, if you roll six by four. The first sixes don't count for the poison, do they? Because you still got to roll the. Four. That's what I thought you were talking about. Is the difference between hitting on sixes and hitting on sevens? Right. I mean, well, if you, you have to play your penalties, reduce your penalties, so that you're not you, you're whole, you're hitting on sixes and not going beyond that. True. You know. You, so you oh, have to maneuver right, and get d- them in the way. But poison doesn't work if you need sevens, doesn't no, it? No, it doesn't. No. So yeah. So the, right there, yeah. So it's between fives and sixes. I just you have to control your modifiers. I'm just case. one who. Never really saw the. I mean, uh, especially with if you have a lower ballistic skill. Right. I just, I'm the one who always looked at that and just never quite saw the the big benefit of going with multiple shots. What well, volume of shots? Like as yeah, Jeff said, and, you're going for the sixes. Right. And, I mean, skinks serve two purposes. You they they serve as chaff to muck up your enemy units, and then if they're able to survive towards the end of the game, or even in the middle of the game, if you're able to get in that sweet spot. With the blowpipes, I mean, you're putting out 20 poison shots a turn, and depending on what you're shooting at and how lucky you are with the dice, that can make a huge impact on the game. I mean, even if you're shooting at knights, if you can take off a couple of knights before they get into you, then that can make a huge difference. Yeah, believe me, my high elves have been victimized by poison way too often. Oh, and if you can get that volume of shots off, yeah. I mean, I've, I've even in games deleted units with nothing but skink fire. Ugh. I'm just wondering if... I just I and I I don't know if anybody's because I mean like I said statistically if you're just purely looking at numbers it, it, there's no difference and I just I don't I don't know if anyone's ever sat down and kept track of okay if I do sit you know how how the how well those extra shots and the multiple shots were if that well again pays if you're off. if you're just going for sixes yeah I mean I can see that yeah getting ten that's shots the key. There's, there's a chance you can get those extra More sixes, sixes. Yeah. yeah you're getting double the shots. Right? Yeah. Try to get sixes. Yeah, I guess Or so. if you hit them with a hand of glory and you're even able to get it just up by yeah, one, you you'll go. be able to double tap at long range while moving. Yeah, the javelin blowpipe debate has been going on for a while. And I think in the previous book, when you had to pay for the, the javelin, I don't think it was worth it. But now I, I'm, I'm kind of halfway. And I think it depends on what you want to use the skinks for. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, I, I go with blowpipes. That's true. That's true. I, that was it. That was just my only question because I mean, there's other things that have multiple shots that don't have poison, and I just, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I, it just seemed pointless to me. But then again, I don't have anything that that yeah, shoots. Yeah, you're you're a non-shooting phase VC player. Well, I mean, my dwarves shoot, but they don't get multiple shots either. I don't, don't think get to start so. on dwarves again. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so that's all the special rules. Why don't we break, and we'll come back with uh, magic items. The magic, uh, magic, magic items, items or, or magic lore. lore. 
Yeah, we could do lore. All right. Yeah, I, I, let's do lore. All right, we'll be back with lore. Old one, known as Jotek, is Lord of the Sun and is venerated by Skinks and Saurus as a bringer of warmth and energy. It is said by his most strident followers that those favored by his blessings are imbued with great vigor. All major temple cities have great pyramids built to Chotek, each situated and aligned so as to harness the power of the sun. The largest of such temples resides in Haxoatl, the city of the sun, and it is no coincidence that the city's ruler, Lord Mastamundi, is the most active of all Slan, a now tireless avenger in his relentless prosecution of the great plan of the Old Ones. And we're back for the next magical section of the Lizardman Review. Oh, yeah. To talk some magic. So, the, the lore of high of magic. So, the lizards... Okay, we got lizardmen and high elf people whining about this. <laughs> Wait, lizardmen players are, are whining? <laughs> well, well like, they, whining, they didn't get... I've, I've heard... Now, of course, they like it because of the, their attribute, but it's like... We didn't really get our own lore. We just got what the high elves. And of course, the high elves. Hey, that's our lore. <laughs> I, I got to tell you, when I was listening to the high elf reviews, I was just sitting there shaking my head, like, "Oh my god, think of what I could do with this spell and the lizard men." Oh, and here we are. You know, you got I finally got all these awesome spells. I think it's kind of cool, though. These guys taught the elves magic, yeah. and it's that's the magic they taught them. Um, I think if you've listened to any other podcasts, because. We're no longer we're no longer doing it when the ink is still wet. That's you know right. we used to because we wanted people to listen and and get you it's know a, get it out it's a race first. in some respects, right? And we're just not racing anymore. I don't know why we've stopped racing. Uh, I think that's partly you. Me? Yeah, uh, you're a little <laughs> more laid be. back because I'm just like the books I listen to. You're like, look, I'd like to actually read the book and know what I'm talking about. <laughs> like, right? Yeah, I don't care. Yeah, get our bearings and let it marinate for a little bit. But uh, I think everybody agrees. Whether you like the spells or not, this is this the the way this combines is kind of badass. So so Jeff, when you were looking at the high magic lore, which spells in particular jumped out at you as a lizard man player that you thought, oh, this would be an amazing combo? Hand of glory, walk between worlds. I mean, hand of glory is just going to do some amazing things for this army. I mean, if it casts on a uh, on a five plus, and um, I mean, do you want to go through the spells now or or? Well, yeah. I mean, I, well, let's we'll go through the spells one at a time. I think, yeah, okay. walk between worlds and hand of glory. I think are really good, but I suppose we need to hit that lore attribute because that's the thing that's just makes people's yeah, eyeballs. That is a huge one. I mean, I would have never. I'm mean, granted, I am not the game designer, but when I read this, I'm like, that's kind of genius. So let's run through that really quickly. 
so that the listeners know exactly what that Would does. Would you like to read it? Contemplations. Uh, if a spell from this lore is, is, is cast by a Lizardman player, the caster can choose to forget that spell at the end of this magic phase. At the end of the phase, the wizard must immediately generate a replacement spell from any of the spell lores he can normally use for each spell forgotten in this manner. Generate the spell in a normal way. If the wizard chooses to generate a spell from a different lore, that newly generated spell will always use that spell's lore attribute. It is also possible that the wizard might generate the same spell he just forgot or one he forgot in previous turns. So what this means is you, you cast a spell, mm-hmm. it goes off. If your opponent lets it go off, you can choose then. That spell takes effect, but then you forget that spell and you randomly generate another spell. You can choose to do that. Now, it's at the end of the magic phase, so it's not like you can generate something up and use it this turn. But, but for you your next phase, for next, te- next it's turn. available to you. And I, I think that is one of the best lore attributes around. I mean, the, a mechanic like this was only previously available to a special character. The, the ability to be able to tailor your magic phase each game right. to your opponent. Each phase, really. Now, each next phase, I should yeah. say. Now, yeah. I know we're not into the characters yet, but I think everybody already knows the slan has been sort of pulled down a bit of a notch. Just, you know, he's he went from like stupid powerful to just really powerful. I love what they did with the different uh, slant disciplines and these, this attributes is genius. The slant know everything magical. I mean, it's, I mean, they know it all. So, but they can only pick one lore cause you have to pick. So yeah, unless you're slant and then you can just say, well, I'm just going to push this one aside and, and concentrate on this other one. All I that mean, meditation has, you yeah, know, paid off. I mean, just just the 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 insane amount of access. I mean, access to what is it, fifty six spells, basically. Yeah, whatever you need, based on who your opponent is or what the situation is. Right, I mean, th- that kind of flexibility. I mean, it's just amazing. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, just, I was just reading that, and I remember the first thing we said when we read it. You were sitting there. Grant was here. You and I were all here, and it was like, uh, or not here. I think wherever we were, and it was like. Well, geez. So if I'm playing warriors, I can take metal, and if I'm playing, you know, these guys, I could take fire. And if I'm right. playing, you know, it's just. And I think realistically, you're only going to be switching out one or two spells per game, but those spells are really going to make the difference. Like you were saying, if you're playing warriors, yeah. you're really going to need that metal magic. I mean, being able to to take out a unit with a spell is one of the best. Well. Maybe not the best things about Warhammer, but one of the things that can swing a game the most. Certainly satisfying. And when when you don't have the right tool for the job, it kind of puts a kink in your plans. That's but exactly it. I mean, how many of us have, um, you know, sat there and really agonized about, oh, which lore should I take? Yeah. You know, based on who I'm going to face. Even if I choose the right lore, what's the guarantee that I'm going to get the spell that I need when I roll it? That all goes out the window. Well, not completely. I mean, because you're guaranteed the signature spell but i mean get some uh you'll get some control over it yeah you'll Mm -hmm. get something but you won't always get exactly what you want and that's that's all i think you have to go into it expecting that you'll be able to get the signature spell maybe you'll get something else but i think if you're going to be switching your spells you have to be going for the signature spell well you can roll and then opt for the signature spell right i mean you're still going to roll and hopefully if there's something specific in there you want you got a one in six chance of hitting exactly what you want or maybe Mm. two or six depending if there's a couple of spells but, but you ultimately, you'll default. be able to, to default to that signature. And all the signatures are pretty darn good. So you Although, dis- there might be situations where the spell you, that you want, that you might get on a roll, whatever that lore is, that signature might not be conducive to your specific situation. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, you run a little risk. And then part of it is because it uses that lore attribute, whatever you get, you're sticking with. You're right. not dumping Correct. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, you're probably going to take, you're going to get, take, your slant is going to be a lore master of high elf magic or high magic. High elf magic. Sorry. <laughs> elf. You had it right. <laughs> um, because you can make him a lore master of high magic, mm-hmm. and then now I mean you've got eight spells because they've got double signatures, right. so you can afford to dump a few things. And if you don't get exactly what you want, maybe try again. Um, and the beauty is a lot of these spells are so low casting values. <sighs> yeah, yeah, that's one of the beauties of the deck. Mm-hmm. Um, you're not, of course. I'm one of those people who, on first read, looks at it in the best case scenario. Where it's like, wow, I can get anything I want, and I'm going to be dumping spells left and right to right. grab what I need. And realistically, you got to get these spells off. You got to have the dice to throw at them. Um, you got to hope your spell isn't dispelled or whatever. So, I mean, it's not like you're going to get a bajillion new spells, and you're going to completely tailor right away to any list. But I think Jeff had it right. One or two new spells yeah. at the, the key times in the game. Yeah, but that's it. The potential is just stupid. Yeah. And it, you'll swing. You'll see people swing games with that. You'll you'll hear tales of people who are like, "Oh, I had him on the ropes. Then he switched his spell out for X, and then he just blew my face up." Oh, jeez. I just I just love it, and it totally gets around that whole. I have to pick something. Like even you know whatever side of the choose your spells for the uh, the Graciers. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of tournaments say you have to pick before you get there. Right. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever side of that argument you're on, you know, even this, you don't even have that argument. It's like, no, I don't have to pick nothing. I just can exactly. take this. It's, it's a beautiful thing if you think it, about it. It's, I mean, it, it cuts through all that murk and just says, hey, you have the ability now to change as your day goes, as your tournament progresses. And it works It, it works with the fluff. And um, I think it, it's one of those things that's cool and gives you a potential Potentially, it's amazing. Like we all agree, it's really good. Potentially, it's absolutely amazing, but it's. I don't think it's. It's not something that's overpowered either, because it, it's. It's still limited to how many spells you can get off, and then you get it for the next turn. There's a nice balance in there. So, should we run through the individual spells really quick? Sure, sure. Uh, do we do the signatures? I mean, sure. We'll we, start off with the signatures. Uh, signature A is drain magic. Uh, it, can, it could be a hex or an augment, and that's only a, a seven plus. This spell I've always found to be really useful. Mm-hmm. Yes. I mean, yeah, I mean, uh, especially when you've got, like, Wither or uh, anything else that lowers your strength or toughness on your blocks that, that really affects their combat output. Or if you've got somebody going up uh, with you against a Mind Razor, I mean. That's it. Yeah. You cast it on a unit, and all remains in place spells are immediately dispelled, and the effects of all other spells on the target unit immediately come to an end. But man, I know, especially playing when I was playing, I played a couple of games against Beastmen and get people giving you that, you know, all oh, the wild form. They got the wild form on them, and then they're they're, they're wild forming themselves and then withering you, right? And it's like, I oh, mean, you, you could potentially like let some spells go in your opponent's magic phase with the expectation that you're going to be able to um, dispel their augments on their units in your phase. Yeah, that's true too. You could save those dispel dice, let that go through because I'm planning on. Get by not you, granted. You're 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 betting heavy to win heavy there. Well, you've got to survive that magic phase, right? That subsequent combat phase, you have to survive until it's your turn. And you got to decide when to throw that drain magic because 
you know, they might just dispel it. And if right. they dispel it, then you're then you're you're a little bit screwed. Right. Then, but, yeah, it becomes a magic a game within a game, really. Yeah. It's funny, we just we just talked about all these spells in the high elf yeah. review. So well, but from a lizard man perspective, it's very they're so different. Yeah. That's it's it's I it's cool. I get all excited. I mean, some some might even argue that these spells actually work better for the Lizardman army than they do for the High Elf army. Oh, well, if, we, if we're going to go fluff-wise, they were originally done by and for the Lizardmen, so they should work better for them. They hand it over to the elves who've adapted it to their <laughs> See, own See, that's uses. why I'm not disappointed. This is actually the Lizardmen lore, but it was co-opted into the High Elf lore, and they just you know took credit for it. Yeah, we just stole it, huh? <laughs> well, as, as we, we told go- you, you weren't supposed to be there. You stole our spells. <laughs> <laughs> what are we supposed to be? Ugh. <laughs> All right. So, so uh, you know, as we go through these spells, we could talk about how if it's better or for worse for high elves versus lizard man, etc. Not a bad, not a bad bit. There we go. Yeah, I think drain magic is is uh, universally. Equally. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what else we got? Soul quench. White light bursts forth, banishing the spirits of those it touches. Eight plus magic missile, two d six strength four. It could be four d six for that's with an eighteen inch range. Oh yeah, I, I, I like it. You know, I, I think. Go ahead, Jeff. What's your take on the spell? I, I think this is an awesome spell for the lizardmen, simply because they can channel through their skinks. Uh, for the high elves, it gives them that eighteen inch range, which makes them a little vulnerable. They got to get a little bit closer, but I can nuke you from across the board, and. Uh, at, at the 2d6 strength 4 for an 8+, plus, I mean, come on. You'll just be clearing chaff units left and right. Yeah, that that is really good. I, I think this spell, being as short range as it is from the, from the high elf perspective, it's a, it's encouraging you to deploy and getting it, get into battle at a point of your choosing. You know what I mean? Okay, so it's, yeah. it, it is short range, yes, but if you're meeting, if you're rushing to engage anyway, you should be doing so at a point where you're going to break through. Aren't most mm-hmm. magic missiles 24-inch? Yes. Okay, so this is short. But yeah, okay, but I got to give this one to the lizard men. I think it's better for them because, because like, of that skink yes, ability. Yes. Cuz like agree. Jeff said, because 18 inches doesn't necessarily mean as much when you've got three or four points on the board you could throw the throw the darn thing from. Uh, and one of our biggest problems is dealing with chaff units as well. I mean, our ballistic right. skill skinks aren't going to get the job done, so usually that's that's going to go to tear it on drop rocks. But now that you've got this spell, you just point your your skink priest, move him up to twenty four inches away from the slon, and you can just uh, casting value eight nuke for two d six strength four. I mean, I don't think it gets much better than that. <laughs> that is pretty good. So, so do I mean, what, what's a fireball go off on? Fireball is a five, a ten, or an eighteen. And the eighteen is the forty-six, right? That's a three d six. But it's a so forty-eight. So for inch. for two points less, you get an extra d six. But this is also forty-eight inches. Yeah, but if you got that, it won't. It probably won't even be forty. I, I don't, is there a limit to how far away that skink can be from the slam? Twenty-four, twenty-four inches. So, so you've got a forty-two inch range with that. That's forty-two inch. So it's shorter, but it's four d six. It is still okay. So I think drain magic we, is is a wash, but I still think soul quench has to go to the lizards. Are we in agreement on that one? Yeah, I, I can't that, dispute yes. that. Okay, so let's hit apotheosis. Jeff, do you want to uh, take this one? Sure thing. Waves of pure magic infuse the wizard's ally. 
<laughs> Apotheosis is an augment spell that targets a single model within 18. Uh, the target immediately regains a lost wound. Uh, you can do it on a boosted version at a 10 plus, and instead you get D3 wounds. And regardless of whether or not you recover wounds, that model gains fear. So the, the model doesn't necessarily have to have wounds lost to cast this spell. You could hypothetically do it uh, to get fear on it, or if you're trying to just get rid of the spell, this would be a good one to cast because you could cast it at the very beginning of the game. You wouldn't have to have any wounds on anybody, and you could Correct. switch that out because your opponent's going to be like, well, and you're trying to heal a wound on a model that's unwounded, and you only get fear, sure, whatever. Right, go ahead and right. take yeah, it. Yeah, they'll let it go. So... Um, Quick question, because I forget. What's the high elf attribute? Attribute For every spell that you cast, your, your war, you get a ward save. Okay. If you already have a ward save, it's, it's it goes one. down by one, okay. up to a maximum of three plus. Okay. So apotheosis can get your wounds back. I mean, that, I think that works equally well for both armies. It does. Because wound, getting wounds back is always good. good for everyone. So it comes down to the attribute. Now, you can either, now if you, you can dump it. For another spell, so you can throw it any time if you want to get rid of it, right? Or it gives you a ward save or bumps a ward save, right? Um, I don't know that one, that one's a little tougher. I think ultimately it gives the edge to the lizardman because I think having spell utility is going to be better than potentially raising your uh, ward save by one. But again, it's one of those spells that you can just cast on a, any model, even if it's unwounded, and your opponent's probably just going to let it go. So that could be a free pip of, of ward save for your unit as well. well you um, know, I think you also have to consider what models are you giving wounds back to. You know, the odd characters. And, and I think it really comes down to list construction on that. If Correct. you're playing a monster mash lizardman list, I think this spell is going to benefit them a lot more. But I don't the, know if you get a Frostheart Phoenix in there that you keep. That's what I was about so to say. To with the the high elves, with the phoenixes, I think those are a lot more valuable to your army. So right. being able to put wounds back on them that's is going to be uh, doing a lot more for your army as as far as the way it's going to function. Now, being a target single model, um, it's. I mean. You can't. I mean, it's you can't just go and cast it on a unit. Like if you had a unit of of you know, like you know, monstrous infantry or something like that. Something that's got three wounds per model. Mm-hmm. You can't just cast it and say, "Oh, I'm just going to pick one model out of the unit." It's pretty much got to be a character or a monster or some sort of a lone character, doesn't it? Uh, well, the wounds float on the unit, so I, I, that's a good question. Well, I'm not it, sure. targets I think... a, it targets a single model within 18 inches, so I don't think you're throwing it to float on a unit. It's got to target a oh, single model. Oh, you're picking model. one model. Okay, right? maybe. Within that unit. I'm just I'm, well, well, I, I'm kind of in agreement with you, Dave. I'm, I'm not exactly sure how that works because technically those those wounds aren't on a particular model. They're just kind of floating around the unit. You put the wound marker on a model because it's easier that way. But the way the, the actual rules in the BRB read, if I recall correctly, that those wounds aren't allocated to a single model. Yeah, I get that it's an abstraction, but I would think that uh, if you are getting wounds back... That you you heal just, up the one model up to its maximum, yeah. and you stop there. I'm just saying you could give it to a high elf like a, the Lord or the Dragon or the Phoenix or something like that. Mm-hmm. But whereas, like uh, I don't know, like a swarm, a jungle swarm, or right. or a Crocs or something like that that's in a unit. I, I just I didn't know if you could target one of those things. I figured it might I have to be a single model. It says you can you could target a a model. Well, it says a single model, not a. And I mean, I don't know if that's. A di- I'm asking oh, a difference between that saying. and a unit. I'm not trying to nitpick the rules, because this is where we were trying to say, is it better for one or the other? Um, because I think if you if 
I think if it's a spell you want to keep, like because you want, if you're a person, like you play a little more defensively, you want to make sure your Bastilladon doesn't get killed or your right. Tralalaladon or whatever. Or, or your Scarvet Cowboys who yeah. so are I'm not holding gonna, up units. So basically, if you're not going to throw the spell away, then it's just the spell. Then the, then the attribute means nothing. Whereas for the High Elves, the attribute is always Applicable, a bonus. Right. So yeah. I mean, I'm I think it uh, almost always. I, I see. I think the high elf and this lore lends itself to aggressive play. That's just my opinion. Because you can heal the wounds, and, and you're getting a ward save, and or you can bump that ward save, especially if you're one of those people who want. Like I know Harrison likes to play the Phoenix Guard. He has a sword master, but that Phoenix Guard, and you got pumping on that unit, and suddenly you got a three up ward. Yeah, you just need one spell. Yeah, to do that's that. nasty. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's what I was saying in our in our in our question of lizards or high elves. I was given this one to the high elves. Yeah, I mean, after after that argument, I, I think I would kind of lean it more towards the high elves because if you're going to throw it away, then the spell you're only using it once, and you're going to throw it away anyway. Mm. I, I think it just kind of depends on yeah. your matchup. If you're more concerned with being able to get that that spell that you really want, this might be a, a cheap way of getting it that, but then away, you are yeah. giving up that ability to heal wounds, which you would only get through lower life. Right, because so. right. with lizards, you're either not using the attribute. We said the attribute's the difference. You're either not using the attribute mm-hmm. or you get to use it that one time and it's done. Whereas right. with this, I mean, seriously, every turn, like you said, I, I, I never killed one of those stupid Frostheart Phoenixes. <laughs> right. But I'll tell you what, if I knocked half the wounds off it and you did this to it, Every wound back is oh I I I swear that huge. that's one of the I'm I want to throw my dice at you or jump you know, <laughs> you know? Uh, so, yeah I'd give that one to the high elves all right so I uh, concede that point <laughs> so we got a wash one for the lizards one for one the for high elves, elves. all right so where are we going next hand of glory Chris hand it. of glory casting a five up that's an augment okay are you the we're all reading the flow. Oh, sorry. <clears throat> what, are you, what, do you forget what podcast you're on? Hand of glory. <laughs> With a simple sign, the wizard grants his allies the might of old. Of old <laughs> what? Hand of glory. Augment spell. Range 18 inches. Uh, the target's weapon skill, ballistic skill, initiative, or movement you choose is increased by D3 until the start of the caster's next magic phase. You can choose a more powerful version where you increase all four by D3, in which case the casting value is increased to 10. If you've got enough dice, do you always go for the 10? I never do. I I never see where you would need all four in your next turn or in that turn. That's why I think it's a spell that's going to go for the lizard man is because every single one of those, well, barring ballistic skill on source and stuff like that, but every single one of those you're going to want on your units totally and your agree. lizard man army. Totally and I mean, agree. like I said, like we were saying with the poison shooting, all you have to do is kick those skinks up by a single ballistic skill and all of a sudden you're able to double tap at long range. Dist- yeah, that's a world of difference. Yeah, because I was thinking with the source, you they're faster, their initiative is going to go up to anywhere from two to four and their the weapon, weapon skill, skill is going to go from either a three or right. four to up to a six or a seven. I mean, it, it, I mean, this is what is really going to pump up those units. Yeah, well, whereas high elves, it's a lot of these. You already have all you. those attributes, right? Maybe yeah. movement. Well, I was thinking. Well, movement might come in handy on that next turn, but right. both weapon skill and initiative. I mean, the, <sighs> but the initiative bump—that's what keeps you your ASF. Against something like a choppy vampire lord. Exactly. So it's situational. So yes, I can see it, but I think universally, 
Right. It's, it's better for the lizard. Man. But any sort of choppy lord. I mean, lords generally have a pretty high initiative, and suddenly you've got an initiative of four standard, and suddenly you bump up to six or seven. Your heroes aren't slowing you down. Yeah, but you know, I, I, I guess I'm looking at it from like a core block versus a core block. Okay. Like uh, kind of a, you know, nuts and bolts. See, I, yeah, my core sucks. I'm all on those lords. And when you, <laughs> right. and suddenly you bump your initiative and that, it's like. But, well, think about it, though. If you were able to augment your zombies or whatever with the spell, that oh. makes them pretty good, doesn't it? Well, that's why I think I'm giving this one to the lizard, man. I would, because, too. I would Because overall, it, it buffs yeah. their units a little I, bit better. This is, for the high elves, this is a kind of a throwaway spell. Like, I'm just going to cast this to improve my ward save. And that's it. A five up to improve your ward save by one. That's really what you're, you're doing there. Yeah, but, I mean, uh, you can even throw this on things like um, the the Razor Dons or, or the Ancient Stags, and all of a sudden you've got 46 poison shots at, at Ballistic yeah. Skill, five or six. And Dude, yeah. On those Razor Dons. Yeah, we'll come back to those Razor Dons, because I want to talk about those. <laughs> I don't think you do. Really? But... Uh, <laughs> We'll save it. We'll save it for the we'll second. Save it. Okay. Okay. Um, the other thing I thought, though, with especially with the elves, because they already have a pretty high weapon skill. Mm-hmm. Um, bumping the weapon, the initiative is keeping your stuff against other elite armies, guys who have higher weapon skill. You're pushing them to fours, but against regular troops, that could push them down to fives to hit really easy. I mean, a good roll. Uh, if you're, I, I, well, you're talking about the elves. Yeah. So uh, a spear elf is weapon skill four. Assuming you roll the three on the D three, your weapon skill seven. Then, yeah, if you can, yeah. So then, so anything against, of against weapon skill three or basic less. Basic weapon skill guys are hitting on fives. fives. I mean, you know, against some of my stuff, stuff that's got the like the lower stuff, like the skill with the weapon skill two and stuff. Any bump is suddenly making them hit on fives. I'm not. I mean, what the hell? This ain't the high elf review. I'm just saying, which is better? Right? Yeah. I mean, I think it's good for the high elf. Well, but I think going from weapon skill three to four is the big one that you want, right? And that it helps yeah. the source the most. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you said you just started saying it was throwaway, and I was like, well, I just thought it was a little better than that. But yeah, I always I look say at throwaway, but you know, casting the spell, assuming it goes off, then you have to roll a, a three on a d three, right? It's a lot of things you have to go right in your. Well, you know, I'll take my rose colored glasses off then. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> that's the thought process when I think of that. Why wouldn't I cast that spell more? That's why. Gotcha. So, and, I mean, you, you've got a limited amount of dice in your phase. You got to prioritize your spells. Correct. And I can see, like with the the high elves, they pretty much have uh, an advantage in most of those areas already. So it might not be as an important spell to them. Now, if it increases your toughness, that's a different story. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> All right, uh, Jeff, you're the one who loves walk between worlds. Take it. For a moment, the wizard's allies tread immortal pathways. <laughs> <laughs> what? I don't know. Everyone is making noises. I made one too. Right, um, uh, Walk Between Worlds is an augment. You can target a unit that is unengaged within 24 inches. It gains ethereal and can move as in the remaining moves phase up to 10 inches. Um, you can do this on a bumped up at 16 plus and you can move them 20 inches instead. Um, this is an amazing spell. Oh, it's awesome. It's just till the end of the phase, so it's not going to do them any good for combat or any of these things, but, man, they just turn into ghosts and move through anything. It's and getting, so getting things in position, yeah. It, it, it puts the pressure on your opponent to react. Will they react? Oh. I, I just love seeing this because I just know, and I know you're going to be, oh, there's that tower kind of towards the middle of the board. I'm on this side. Boom. Hello. Now I'm on that on side. On the other side of it, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's, ugh. 
So or Jeff, you know, Jeff, my my salamander wasn't on your flank, getting ready yeah, to flank exactly. down your lines, and now it is. That's exactly. Uh, it. Is the salamander? What other um, uses have you found tactically for the lizardmen and the spell? Well, I mean, if you're going to go with the monster mash, it's pretty obvious. You yeah. get uh, some stags or some carnosaurs or whatever in the rears of your units. But I, I think even if you're just bringing a single ancient steg, being able to control where he goes, mm-hmm. um, even just being able to hide him maybe from cannons a little more, mm-hmm. but getting him into position and being able to get him in the combat ASAP, I think is really important. And with the extra movement you get from this spell, I think that'll be good. Um, I mean, if you want to do the boosted version, you can all of a sudden my giant unit of temple guard or my giant unit of source is suddenly in your flank or in your rear and you still got another car combat block in front of you. So how are you going to deal with that? Uh, I think it could also be used to get pterodons or other, uh, your ripperdactyls or maybe even your, your cold one cavalry into a, a decent charging position to, to get into cannons or artillery or stuff like that. Um, I honestly, I don't see the limitations on this spell. I think it's good all around, regardless of what you're going to use it for. I mean, you could use it to get a, a unit of skinks within range of a, a war machine to, to poison them up, but right. whatever um, you've I, I just, got your units circling around to defend. Especially with like with dwarfs, where I've got my war machines and stuff like you said, and I've got I've got a couple of lines of troops in front of it, making sure you're not getting to it. Suddenly, boom, you're there. You you were in front, now you're behind. I don't have time to turn around. I'm not going to be able to stop you. You're back there, and someone's going to get smashed. That's that's well, brutal. It's important to keep in mind that you can't move through enemy units, though. Oh, that's true. You, you you can move through terrain, but not yeah. For some reason, I keep seeing that ten inch, twenty inch movement, and I keep thinking fly. Yeah, that's right. You know, uh, you're right. I keep thinking because I have the hex wraiths, and they right. can move through units because that's part of their movement. With the ethereal, allows them to do hits. Well, la da. Part freaking me then. <laughs> <laughs> so, does this benefit Hiles more or lizards? Um, I, I will have to say the high elf, a lot of the high elf units are already so fast. So while it is nice, I think it on the whole it benefits lizard men more. Yeah, be, part of that is also the single models that are big and beastly. They can already fly, right? So they don't need to move ethereal. They can just fly. Yeah, so it'll work on our monsters better, and I think it's a little more important for the lizardmen to get their their shooting into place. Uh, I think it has a their shooting has a bit of a more role than a high elf shooting phase, and when you're able to get those salamanders set up for the perfect shots, it's just ridiculous oh, it pays, how how buck nasty they can get on units, yeah. especially because there's that narrow base, so you don't have to worry so much about going through units because with that single model, you can move, pivot, move, pivot, move, and you can squeeze through what you need to squeeze through or squeeze around. So so are we at three spells for lizards, one for high elves, and one a draw? Um, I believe that that was five spells, right? Yeah. Yeah, three lizards, one high elf, one draw. Yep. Correct. Okay. Yeah, well, okay, there we go. Uh, Tempest. You, you want to take this one, David? Without warning, an eight-winded storm breaks about the foe. Okay, we have... <laughs> That was the, the, the wind echo. Sorry, I got it a little late. I've only heard five more. I've heard being scattered to the four winds, getting the eight winds. Now that's windy. Is the chaos star? Is that an eight pointed star? Yeah, there you go. Or the eight winds of magic. There you so. go. All right. Uh, direct damage. Put the large round template anywhere within 30 inches of the wizard and then scatter it D6. Can this also be channeled through a skink so it's within 30 inches plus 
Scatter yep, distance. It's a direct damage. All right, so then it scatters D6 inches. All models hit by the template suffer a strength 3 hit. Models with fly suffer a strength 4 hit. If a unit suffers any unsaved wounds, it's a minus one on all to hit rolls, shooting and close combat until the start of the caster's next magic phase. Uh, if you don't use ballistic skill, it's, oh, it's that four-up nonsense. So your cannons and your grudge throwers and your doom divers, you got to hit a four-up. Well, it, assuming you wound that war machine. Yeah, first you got to get the template on them, then you got to wound them with it's the strength, strength three. three. Oh, that's yeah. true. But, I mean, hey, we're looking for sixes with the shooting, so <laughs> going back to the... <laughs> <laughs> that sense a note of sarcasm there. Why? The oh, come on, <laughs> yeah. we, could, we were just making jokes. But uh, so, what do we think? I, of this spell? I think this is a throwaway spell. Uh, I think this is one of the ones that you cast. It's just it's so hard because it's a twelve plus. Um, I don't think it's useful very much at all. It um, is situational, and ironically, with the release of this Lizardman book, I as a high elf player, I see myself using this thing against. Skink clouds, that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I mean, I'd, it is a large template. Anything that's tough, that's toughness three, which is a lot of your basic infantry. Well, skinks are tough too. Oh, that's yeah. even worse. So you're yeah, wounded on threes with them. Yeah. Noblars. <laughs> that too. But also importantly, if uh, there'll, well, hey, there'll be any unit that suffers a wound is minus one to hit. So going back to the poison of the skinks, yeah, this could yeah. take them out of poison. Oh yeah. And, I mean if you're if you're trying to be a little bit tricksy, maybe you target a unit that's close to a unit in combat and maybe the template happens to clip them. Yeah, and maybe I, they I take a wound that. and so they're taking negative ones in that combat. I, I try that never works. It's not no. <laughs> not on purpose usually. Right. This I mean this is the first really kind of weak spell I think we've found. I mean, and on it's on a, it's on a twelve plus too, which yeah. is just a, a little too much to to cast it as just one of those throwaway spells that you're trying to get rid of. But at the same time, it's probably my least favorite spell in the lore. So you might just chuck a few dice at it and hope your opponent lets it go, just so you can yeah, it um, might, switch yeah, it out. It might be worth getting rid of. I mean, especially if you happen to have one of those magic phases where you get. You know, you might get nine. An he's got, amount of dice. Yeah, you got nine, he's got four, and then you hit all your channels. And so you've got a bunch more. You yeah, can shove it just, through just to get rid of it. It's just too bad. At a casting of a 12, it's that expensive. It's yeah. more expensive to switch it out. Yeah. yeah. But it's That's worth my only it. hesitation. But if you can get rid of it early, it might be worth it. Early in the game when you can afford to throw dice at something that's not all that great. True, true. And, it, and you never know. You put the template over, it might do something. I mean, how often have you done a template and you get a lot of good hits on something that's even got high armor and okay i'm gonna roll my saves i mean that's a large template that'll cover an entire cav unit and yeah you but and the only strength three templates that i used to use also came with a negative three armor save so <laughs> oh yeah but i'm just saying if you get a lucky hit i mean how many times have i that's the reason i have trouble with my black knight boss is because when i go to roll if, if it's if it's a spell that hits everything i wind up rolling like three or four ones and then it's like well damn so if you're trying Maybe. i'm just saying well. i'm not saying it's good i'm saying if you're looking to dump it it's got potential at least that one time it could do something really good before you dump it i, I would think if you're going to use the spell in that in that context cast it on a unit that you're expecting to charge you hopefully do a wound because then when they hit you and, and you're in combat they'll be that minus one to hit mm-hmm. yeah yeah and who knows maybe if you get it off and that happens that might dissuade them from making that charge but then that's kind of like you, you got to get the spell off they got to let it right. go it's got to not scatter you got to get the <laughs> right. wound right 
they can't make their armor save. You're betting heavy yeah. to win heavy on that one. But well, once again, if I wouldn't even say that's betting heavy. You're betting heavy to not win a lot. Yeah. Well, there. I mean, if yeah, you're betting it's like heavy. You're betting to, heavy blind. Exactly. Right. Betting heavy to break even. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but like I said, if you're looking to throw it away, I mean, if, especially of all these spells on the list, this is probably the one I'm looking to throw away to get my other spells. Yeah, it's just a, if it was it's like a seven or an eight casting value, then I think it'd be perfect. But then you wouldn't be throwing it away necessarily either, because well, it'd be, it'd be it'd much be cheaper to throw yeah. away. Yeah, but whatever. Um, Arcane Unforging cast on a thirteen. The magic of unmaking flies true from outstretched hands. Yeah, that's the best we could do. Well, I don't know. Oh wait, yeah, sound I'm, effects. To, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna cast the spell. Yeah, Here, it's, okay. it's the sound of one hand clapping. Here, read it again. Here, right. read, I'll try again. Read it again. The magic of unmaking flies true from outstretched hands. It's unmaking. We gotta work it, on so our sound effects, boys. <laughs> I'm sorry. All right, so plunk. Cast on a 13. It's a direct damage with a range 24 inches. You target a single enemy model, even a character. Uh, the target suffers a single wound on a die roll greater than or equal to the unmodified armor save of that model. No armor saves are per- permitted against a wound caused by this spell. Uh, and this is the kicker. The owning player must reveal to the caster all the magic items possessed by the target. You randomly select one, and on a two-up, that item is destroyed. Not, so, not becomes mundane, but is destroyed. That's important, because if it's a shield or magic armor, they no longer have that piece of armor. Right, so the uh, with the armor of destiny, the five up, you know, the heavy armor with the four up yeah. ward. Yeah. Now you don't even have heavy armor. Correct. That sucks. Now, but if you got three or four magic items on you, then you got to roll to see which one which goes one away. Is, right. And then you got to get the two. Pl- not that a two plus is hard, but that's where you're praying to God. Right. It just yeah. yeah. The thing that lets it down a little bit is you can't choose which item. Yeah. Like, well, like if you could choose I, which I, item, that would be st- stupid. Well, good. it used to be that way. Well. In the High Elf book, oh, there's yeah. a spell. Balls on making. Where you can yeah. choose, yeah. I think the best part of the spell is actually the first part, where it's if you meet or equal, if you equal or exceed their armor save, it's a wound no matter what. And I think that's the most important part of the spell. Well, I mean, it's not no matter what. There's no armor save. Uh, you still get your ward or your regen if you have either of those. But it basically... It, it, oh, yeah. Okay, I, I mean, thought it, it was an unsafe It works wound. like metal magic. So whatever your armor is... So if no, you got, no, no, no. Oh, yeah, no armor yeah. save. Okay. So, okay. So those one-up... So those guys who have that one-up armor save... Suddenly, punch right through Yeah, that. a two-up yeah. two yeah. gives them that single wound. Um... I like how they point out so you can't be all such you can't be a gamey bastard. And they're like, listen, if it's one use only and you already used it, right? yeah, you can't. <laughs> it's used. You don't get to get rid of that. That's pretty lame. If someone tries to offer up that argument, well, yeah, but then, well, that's going to shift well, the meta. Now I'm going to start taking one use only items on those guys. Right. So hopefully, you have to get that. But I've noticed in the books that it, anything that destroys magic items, it's saying this now. If it's one use only. Well, I think these they recognize that as a big bone of contention, so they want to nip it in yep. the bud. Magic items that contain bound spells that have miscast, because, yeah, those are gone right, then. Right. You, can't, you can't use it on a dead magic item, basically. Right. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, you use this to get rid of the reverse pinned in or the stubborn count, yeah, or, yeah. or even you can use it to draw out your opponent's dispel scrolls. Banner um, of the World Dragon. Yeah. 
Um, I, I don't know. I think this would be more useful for the the lizard men um, because you you're really there are a lot of magic items that can kind of mess them up. But the lizard I, I, I'd say it's almost almost even. Cause, what are some of those items that mess? Uh, uh, the the hell heart is one that comes to mind immediately, and because this is a direct damage spell, you can channel that through the skink, so you can stay well without of the range of that. Uh, um, I mean, if you've got somebody, if you're playing another lizardman with the egg coming at you, you could destroy yep. that. Uh, I mean, the the pendant, the reverse pendant for the the dark elves, the sacrificial dagger for the dark elves. Well, that I think um, that works equally against any army, you know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I, I don't know. I guess there there aren't a whole lot of mm-hmm. weapons that specific. I don't think there are that say anything about targeting lizardmen specifically. But no, but there certainly are high priority so, items out there. Oh yeah. So this, so to answer your question, David, this would work against the banner of the world dragon. You're right. You don't have to wound the model. That's just kind just of, have to they're, hit they're it. two independent actions. And then I've been hearing an argument, like, say you destroy the, the banner of the world dragon, does that mean you destroy the BSB? I would Personally, I would say no, because I think the BSB is an upgrade that you pay for, but there is uh, some threads online that are arguing that when you destroy the magic banner, they no longer have the banner oh, to, to stand right, on. Because it's not a mundane banner. It's destroyed. It's gone. So there's right. no more standards, so... If it was a standard of the unit upgrade, then he's dead. If no, no, a, he's not uh, saying, do you kill the BSB? The BSB is still there, but he's not a BSB anymore. Yeah, yeah, I get that. I think well, that, that but, sounds So right. what I'm saying is, if you if it's... Usually when you see the Banner of the World Dragon, it's carried by the unit standard, not on the BSB. So oh. in that case, if you do that, that unit standard becomes a regular guy. But let's say any ban- any... Any BSB because some BSBs carry magic banners. Right. I know mine, mine tend not to because I want to give them magic items, like to keep them safe and alive. Um, but if you did make it a magic banner, and it destroys the magic banner, well, let's say if it's a BSB that does not have a magic banner, he's just upgraded to a BSB. Well, then you, but then you, but then this spell wouldn't affect the banner. It would affect the stuff on him. You know what I'm saying? It has right. to there's be. No, a there's no banner, banner to affect. Right. So it doesn't. Technically. Yeah. But what I'm. Yeah. No but, magic banner. To right. Affect. Right. But if it is a magic banner, and it destroys it, then you're 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 not technically a battle standard bearer because there's no battle standard. You're a you're an empty-handed banner bearer. But see that that's uh, I, I, that's where I'm kind of getting. Uh, you're paying 25 points to get the stand your ground rule, which is the BSB, the battle standard banner rule. So you're destroying the magic banner, but you're not destroying the rule. Yeah, I would have to agree with that. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know which way GW would rule it. Yeah, it's a gray area for sure. I think it's something they'll ultimately have to address. But, I, I mean, that's not something I had even considered until I saw those threads. I didn't think of it either, but it honestly makes sense to me if there's no banner. I mean, the whole point is that that, that banner is waving, and it's that's what's, yeah. you know, it's not the guy. Who's, it's, it's not like, oh, there's Joe. <laughs> I love Joe. He's making He's a me stand-up stay. guy. It's seeing the giant flag of your army waving above you. But, it's but for gone. a 13 plus to be able to remove your opponent's BSB, that's huge. That that's, is that's huge. So, so it's, it's worth answer. It's I think it's worth that going FAQ, along that yeah. argument. You know, you are the army is view, viewing the big flag, mm-hmm. right? If it's not a magical flag and you can't take it out with the spell, it's not going anywhere. Well, yeah. 
So, so I mean, but well, this, so for the purpose of this argument, the the BSB would remain the BSB. Well, but no, because this, because a non magical banner is not even a part of the argument because this spell destroys magical items. Precisely. Right. So if it's a magic banner, you, I, I, I. It could. I, I don't know how GW would rule this, but it, I mean, it's... I, I think they would ultimately change it to say the battle pole bearer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not trying to be gamey. I'm just saying the way it's worded, it sounds like there's no more battle standard, and I, I so think there's they, nothing to bear. If that's, what, if, if that's what they intended, a rule of that magnitude, they would have to say that. If, if target I, I, a BSB, that's what I'm kind of leaning towards right now. If, if target's a BSB... And the banner's destroyed. That model is no longer considered a BSB. They would have to put something. like I that. I guess. Well, I'm just. I never even thought of it. But once the question came up, it you could argue it that way. I'm just, I'm just be, playing devil's advocate. I suppose you could you could ask for at least an FAQ on that. I, I, yeah, it, it can certainly be argued that way. And they probably rule. No, he's still there. he's still the BSB. You still get to hold your ground. You just lose the magic. But this. I mean, you're the one who pointed out it was destroyed. I didn't think about that. It could be argued that way. You know. But it does to me it doesn't feel right. But yeah, I think ultimately it's going to be a wash for this one too. I think it's equally as useful for both the high elves and the lizardmen because it's such a high casting cost that it's not necessarily something you're gonna try and get off every turn right. so you can either trade it off or um get that uh, boost to the ward save. I, I say I give the edge to the elves because of the ward save. Well, no, because it's not cast on your unit, is it? Oh, the guy who casts the it. guy who casts it. Uh, I'm going to give the edge to the elves then on that one because of the ward save bonus. Hmm. That it, 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 I think. Wiping I out just, a magic- I, I don't think it's something you're you're necessarily going to be casting enough to. To, to want to just cast it for the the ward save bonus. No, I don't but. think you're casting it for the ward save bonus. I think you're casting it to get rid of magic items. But if we said who's it better for... It, it's sli- You're saying it slightly edges yeah, out. I'm saying it's it's completely equal because getting rid of magic items is good for everybody. But then on top of it, getting a boost to your ward save... I mean, I think when, it, when it's perfectly equal, Ty goes to the high elves because of the... Because of the attribute. Yeah. Because it's not something you're necessarily going to throw away when you're done yeah, with it. You would go to the lizard men if the casting value were lower. If you wanted, well, to then there's also the argument that there's usually out, yeah. not going to be a ton of magic items that you're trying to destroy. So maybe That's after true. you cast that once or twice, you're able to toss it for something that potentially could be more useful. All right, so then we give it a draw. Okay, you convinced me. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, here, I'll grab this last one really quick. Fiery Convocation. With a single secret word, fire rages and flesh burns. And the secret <laughs> word is... That's the secret word? No, he was making fire noise and oh. I was making the burn. Uh, I'm, if you're burning, you're probably going to scream. I understand that. But what's the secret word? A la peanut butter sandwiches. <laughs> that's a secret no, that's phrase. that's the magic word. <laughs> that's the magic word. Sorry. What's the secret word? Um... Outrageous! Outrageous! <laughs> oh, see, now, there's a time and a place for that word, dude. Every time that gets cast, now if I ever play when you cast it, that's going to be the magic word. I'm going to be sure. Shouting I'll be name. happy to cast that spell. There you go. That's and I nice. came, yo. <laughs> <laughs> that's a magic phrase. <laughs> Let's see. Cast on the 19 plus 
Remains in play, direct damage, 24-inch range. Uh, every model in the target unit takes a strength 4 hit with flaming attacks. At the end of every subsequent magic phase, every model in the unit suffers a strength 4 hit with the flaming attack. So, th- yeah, that's that's a pretty decent... I mean, it's expensive, but... But it's nice. It's the remains of play that is the key. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. Is you're you're if you get it off and your opponent doesn't dispel it, then it's something they have to deal with in their uh, magic phase. Yeah, because yeah, and I mean, granted, it's easier to get rid of a nineteen than if you roll a twenty-five. Say, I guess, but still, if you have if you don't get it off, then you're throwing what you got to throw four or five dice at this yeah, at least right. yeah. during your magic phase. You're throwing half your dice away to get rid of this. So, Jeff, let me ask you something. As a Lizardman mm-hmm. player, are Horde armies hard for you to deal with? Um, well, it kind of depends on the army composition. If it's just a single Horde unit that has all the points in it, uh, that might be a little difficult. But if I'm able to pick off the ancillary units to, to kind of get those extra points in, then usually I can lead that giant Horde around with my skinks so I don't even have to deal with it. Um, but if all the points are in that unit, then that might be a little more difficult because then we're just kind of trading tra- chaff for chaff and pound for pound Lizardman troops aren't really able to go toe-to-toe with others. What about a, a really high model count army with multiple hordes like Skaven or VC? Because I see the spell being really effective against armies like that. For sure, for sure. Um, with with the Skaven, they're not too much of a problem. Um, it, I'm I'm speaking in reference to the previous book, at least, because I haven't been able to get a game in with the new book. But with the previous edition, you would just salamander all of those units and just make them roll those panic tests, especially the ones that might be a little bit out from the the general. And eventually you were able to just get them down to size where you were able to manage them. Otherwise, they would just kind of roll over you. But, um, I mean... Skaven are one of the ones where you're able to pick up some extra points around the right. board as well, so you get to pick and choose which of the hordes you're going to go against. Uh, the reason I'm asking is, I, I in, from where I sit, this spell, horde armies are always hard. See, I don't want this spell going off against me. Yeah, I mean, this is army. an awesome spell and so if I, you're going I, up against big blocks like that, because... Uh, yeah, it it, it's it's like one of those size. big level six dwellers belows, yeah. or or the um, uh, pit of shades, or uh, transformation. But uh, this particularly, because especially with my army, you're gonna when when I get that block of zombies up to fifty or sixty or seventy models, mm-hmm. you're taking out two thirds of it with this spell. Strength four, mm-hmm. you're hit, you're wounding on threes. It's every model. Suddenly, all my work is just. Gone and that and a, and a tiny zombie unit is is useless. I mean because mm-hmm. yeah, and it may be diminishing returns, but it's also remains in play, so it's going to be happening every magic phase. So the question as is, long as it's not dispelled, does the spell help lizardmen more? Do you think or high elves more? I think it's. I'm going to go with the lizardmen because generally the high elves are able to get bigger blocks. Um, Ooh, I mean, really? I don't know. Well, how much are you spearmen? Oh, they're. I want to say thirteen points. Wow, twelve or thirteen points? Yeah, they're expensive. Okay, okay, that that might. I, I thought they were more like nine or ten. Um, no, dark elves, maybe. <laughs> uh, well, in that case, um, man, I don't know. How, how much is your uh, sword and board source warrior? Uh, what's that? Your your average source warrior. How much does he cost? Oh, he's eleven points. He's eleven. With uh, two attacks, but weapon skill three, initiative one. But he's strength four, tough um, four. 
Man, I don't know. That's kind of a tough one. I'd almost give that to the high elves just because yeah. they don't have as the volume of shooting that lizardmen right. do, and we're able to kind of deal with things that way too. Yeah, yeah. You have the template-based shooting, which helps, which helps quite a bit in the salamanders. Mm-hmm. And your your core troops are pretty solid, so you you might not win combat necessarily, but I think you're especially with cold-blooded, better equipped to grind things out and and over time perhaps win that combat. Whereas with high elves, you've got to go in and win on the charge. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Uh, Lizardmen are kind of the same way. They they don't grind out very well. I mean, with the blocks of the Saurus, they're pretty expensive. So unless you've got big blocks like 30, they kind of disappear pretty quick. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't know. Ultimately, I, I think this would go towards the, the high elves because they do have the tough three core, so they are right. a little more... Um, frail in combat, and they don't have the shooting to whittle those units down before they get there. So I'd, I'd say this is probably a little more useful for the high elves. Yeah, I would agree with that. Okay, so we got two high elf, two draws, and four for the lizards. Mm-hmm. So yes, the lore the lore favors the lizards. The original authors, yeah, <laughs> supposedly if you buy copyright patent pending. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, we need a break. Yes. I would, we should have probably had a break halfway through that if we're keeping the schedule. But, uh, all right, break and we'll come back. We'll talk magic items. And then we're probably going to have to wrap up, which means we're going to either have a three-parter or a huge-ass show next episode. But I've been having fun with this. So let's go. Okay. Hey folks, it's Dave, and I wanted to talk to you for a minute about Battle Foam. You've all heard me talk about it before. The foam is firm, it doesn't separate from the base, they custom cut, design, make any piece of foam you want to fit any model you want. Anytime a new army comes out, within days, you've got Battle Foam cut and designed to fit those models. This isn't a game company making cases on the side. This is a carrying case company making foam and custom carrying cases to protect your army. It's what they do. It's all they do. Check it out at BattleFoam.com. Battle Foam, protecting your army. In the wake of the defense of Itza, Lord Croak's loyal skink attendants lamented the death of their almighty master, whose body was scattered far and wide. Diligently, the skinks collected every last scrap of that ravaged body, and with great reverence, the remains were swathed in resin-soaked wrappings. Thus was created the first relic priest, of which many more have been created. The lizardmen have found the spirits of these departed Slav so powerful that they often linger near their former bodies. In times of need, a relic priest is brought forth from hidden crypts to enact once more the great plan of the old ones. And 
and we are back talking about magic items now. Magic items. Treasures of the old ones. They're quite magical. And fantastic. <laughs> Do panda. The, the Technicolor feather cloak. <laughs> Great. We'll make a musical. <laughs> so let's, Lizardman, uh, the musical. <laughs> Boy, the song's going to be great in that song. Rawr! <laughs> click, 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 click. <laughs> it opens and closes on the same night. Beautiful. <laughs> All right. So, so uh, the, should we just start with magic weapons? Yeah, let's just go right through the list. All it's right. simpler that way. The Blade of Realities. 100 points, this bad boy. So if you, if you got this, you got nothing else. No armor award saves can be taken against wounds caused by the Blade of Realities. <laughs> it suddenly regen becomes useful again. Yeah, seriously. Uh, yeah, wow. that's true. It, it, it's the part that the old, the part of the plan the old ones overlooked when creating this weapon. Right. Nothing's perfect. I mean, even for 100 points, no saves of any kind is just crazy. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. But if you take this, you're not He's getting naked. anything else. But if you're... You can... I mean... He can still get the one plus pretty easy. A when one he's, plus even armor when he's save. not mounted on the the cold one, but still, I mean, he's just he's got nothing else. You are banking one hundred percent on just no armor saves, no ward saves. When I mean, I think it might even be a better combination to just take maybe the plus one strength sword and the other trickster shard, and then you've got plenty of other points for other kid. Yeah, that's true. So, you, Jeff, you wouldn't take this item ever? Is that what you're saying? I haven't seen a 100-point item in the new books that I think is worth it, no. Yeah, I, I haven't either. I, I might be willing to try it, but... Yeah, yeah, but again, it's like you're like Dave says, you're betting heavy to win heavy. What if you... This is true. Um, if you whiff all your you attacks, you're screwed. Yeah. <laughs> um, this is the reason why when we were writing the campaign, it's items like this, though, that I made it a 75-point cap on your free item. Because I think getting this plus a perfect kit would make, you know what I'm saying? If you could get this plus the oh, 100 point, you the know way the rules are awesome. set up. Yeah. yeah. That's why I gave you the, when we were talking last episode with the free item. That'd be ridiculous. Exactly. The Blade yeah. of Realities plus a four-up ward save plus every other thing you want to take. That's just insane. Speaking of insane, do you want to take the uh, Piranha Blade? The Piranha Blade. Uh, 50 points. Multiple wounds, D three, and armor piercing. This I could see taking almost more than the uh, than the blade of realities. Oh, definitely. I mean, definitely for half the points. And the interesting part of that sword is it says you gain the rule, uh, the D three multiple wounds rule and armor piercing. And I think that ties into the next item uh, where you might be able to get those D three wounds on the impact hits. Ooh, interesting. But don't the impact hits already have D three? That's on Stegodons. That's an upgrade you can get for them. But oh, okay, um, I mean, in and about itself, I think D three wounds armor piercing is is super hot. I mean, he, yeah, you can put that on even on a, a scar vet, and he's still naked. Yeah, but you're paying a lot less points for him, and then you can just charge base? him straight into monstrous cav. And yeah, oh, yeah, he's got four attack space. Yeah. Zero. Weapons go five, four attacks. So he could you hit him with a hand of glory, buff up that, right. that in, initiative, and then you're striking before them, and hopefully you're you're knocking out a couple of them with just one or two hits. You're, you could potentially do 12 wounds with that bad boy. Yeah. yeah. 
That is yeah, pretty good. That's, that's in a perfect cool. world. So you're saying that works in tandem then with the sacred Stegodon helm? Well, see, that's that's another. Well, the Stegodon helm, it's going to be the 40 point item, and any model with that is going to get plus one armor save, plus one toughness, and D3 impacts. Uh, I think that's an awesome item too. I think that's probably the best item in the book. And he has the special rule D3 wounds. It doesn't say the sword does D3 wounds. It says you gain the special rules, armor piercing, and D3 wounds. The wielder has multiple wounds, D3, and armor piercing special rules. Uh, that's a tough one. I think it's implied, though, that, that those rules, the multiple wounds, is only granted because of the weapon. Yeah, I, I, I can I can definitely see it being interpreted both ways. Um I, I think that's another one that you're going to have to see maybe in FAQ. I'm not even sure if that's going to come up enough because that's a 90-point combo. I think you're right, Chris, because um, I know this question came up on Twitter. If you have the Ogre Blade, gives you, what, plus three strength? Right. Then do your impact hits hit at your normal plus strength, strength or plus three strength? At right. least? And I think the argument came back, well, no, because you actually use the sword to get the plus three Correct. strength. But um, with the sword, it says the wielder gains plus X strength, whereas with this one, it says you gain these special rules. Yeah, but I still think that's with, I don't know. Uh, I, the D3 impact hits at D3 multiple wounds doesn't feel right, quite right to me. Yeah, because you're not... Yeah, I, I can see. I mean, it, it's just something that, that came out. Potential, yeah, a potential... I think that it would have to be addressed FAQ wise. Yeah, just to it's another one you could kind of argue both ways. Although I, I think I, I, I lean I'm, heavily towards not. I'm leaning, I'm leaning to agree with Chris. Unless, unless you're holding the sword right in front of you as you're impacting him. Um, yeah, I still think that's you know, I don't know. What do I know about this? <laughs> I don't know nothing. So interesting, it would, potent combo certainly if it does work yeah, out. If that it way. does work, that's pretty good. But yeah, I mean, you would have to take it on the old blood, and right. it's a ninety point combo. And and yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not saying that's the way the rules work. Just that that's something when I was reading them, I was like, hey, I wonder if that would be a good combo. Yeah, I didn't think of that. So there you go. So we're into magic standards. The Skaven Pelt banner at sixty five points. All <sighs> models in the unit with this banner gain frenzy and hatred of Skaven. However, all bottles from Skaven gain hatred while attacking the bearer. Not the unit, just the bearer. Okay, so we get frenzy and hatred on Skaven. Skaven get hatred on the standard bearer. You get frenzy all the time and hatred Skaven. Yeah, you get frenzy all the time, hatred Skaven. They get hatred against the bearer, which means they're getting to re... Well... Reroll their attacks, which are probably strength three. For for sixty five points, I think that's a bit much, and then you're really hampering your Saurus. I mean, then you're actually getting the the downfall of the uh, the frenzy, but right. you're also getting the benefit. And if you were able to take this, if it were a fifty point banner, and you were able to take it on your Temple Guard, or if you were able oh, to take yeah. it uh, a Magic Standard, a fifty point Magic banner on your Cold One, still, I, I think this would be a That'd really be good option for them. But to but have to put it on your BSB, if then you're you're Either having a naked Scarvet or you're putting it on your salon and giving your salon frenzy. <laughs> well, and here's the thing. This is one of those things that, once again, when you make it race-specific, this is total fluff. The only time you're going to take it is if, you're, if you know you're – this is not something you take. And once again, whether you care or not, you don't take this to a tournament. 
And if you only take it if you're playing a game at home against a Skaven player, because otherwise you're paying 65 points for Frenzy. Right. Yeah. That's yeah. Which, uh, no, no, thank you. Yeah. No. Um, and then Hatred Skaven. I'm only taking this if I'm putting my BSB not as, like you said, not as the Slan, but as a BSB. And he's got to be for this to really be anything better. I mean, don't you almost have to be a Horus? Right. Yeah. yeah. To get to get enough but, extra attacks to make it worth it, and then they're going to get it against your guy. Granted, he's got the one up armor save, but everybody I mean, gets even, it against even if you himself. are going horde, you're you're only getting as many attacks as your models are in base contact. So, I mean, your your yeah. enemy could even just go to a five front just to minimize those frenzy attacks. But uh, yeah. I don't know, just sixty five points, I think, is a bit too much for that. There, there is something comical about putting this on a slot, having like yeah, he's frothing fr- out, <laughs> freaked out frog running around. <laughs> <laughs> he better be in a unit. Right. Yeah, no, this is, this once again, uh, and I've had problems with this because there's so many of these anti-dwarf special dudes. And Where's the, that word again? Uh, shut up, dwarf. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's 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 too expensive for what it does, and it's race-specific, so it, it it's doubly useless because it only so comes in. Yeah. yeah. Even in that situation. It's beyond situational. And just too expensive. I mean, honestly, I, I think if this was 15 points, I don't know that I'd necessarily buy it. <laughs> right. You know, even yeah, if, even but if at least I was then it'd make you think. Yeah, at least then it makes you think, don't it? So, Jeff, tell us about the Jaguar standard. This wow. has seen a huge change from the last book. Uh, it's a 50-point banner, and the unit gains swift stride. Um, in the previous book, it was you just added a straight D6 to your first charge distance, one use only. Um, for 50 points, I think it's just a little too much. You're, you're getting that extra die in there, but when you've got Hand of Glory and you've got Walk Between Worlds, you're usually going to be where you want. And, I mean, I, I'd almost say that spend the extra five points put it on your salon if you're going to go this route and get the re-roll your charge distance banner on your salon yeah because hmm. i mean if, if you're taking your salon and your temple, temple guard, guard right for for that then you can just put the leadership banner on the temple guard or you could even choose another 50 point you could take the swift stride banner and then take the re-roll banner but i i, I don't know um for the most part with the lizardmen you're usually the first couple of phases are shooting, 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 right. and then you're usually able to get into the combats that you want because you've got your chaff in the right position, pulling them out of place, so you've got the charges that you want. This, um, this banner you typically used to see on uh, big blocks of Saurus, Kev. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the cold one riders. Yeah, now they already have to... swift stride, so right. you're not so going to get four dice. Right. All I know is I want to hear that Jaguar noise again. <laughs> <laughs> I heard that. I was. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so, <laughs> right, it's it's time for the cube of darkness. Thirty points, one use only. When the enemy casts a spell, uh, you can use the cube of darkness instead of a dispel. Um, instead of using dispel dice, you roll a d six, and on a two up, it's dispelled. So. On either case, roll a separate D6 for every remains in play spell currently in effect, and a two up that automatically ends. So it's thirty. It's it's basically another dispel scroll, but it yeah. on a there's a one in six chance it won't work. 
But if there's any remains in play, it actually goes beyond <laughs> above and beyond. And it came down in points, and I and I kind of like the way they're doing the the extra dispel scroll in in this book because it, it's not just a blatant dispel scroll like it was before. You actually have to roll for it, and there's that chance that you're going to fail. Um, and I, I I don't know. I I kind of like the on the four plus you end the magic phase, but usually my opponents didn't like that as much. <laughs> so I, I kind of like the way that they they went with it, where you're just dispelling spells on uh, remains and plays on a two plus, and and that even gives you some flexibility in your magic or in their magic phase because with the old cube you would almost want to use that on the first spell regardless of what it was if they had a juiced up magic phase because you can just shut it down right then and there on a four plus. Now you can let them cast their spells depending on what they are. If they're casting remains and plays first, you can just say, yeah, no problem. You let that go. And then on the next one, it's like, bam, Cube of Darkness, that, that other spell is out too. A one in six chance, though, of it failing is too big a risk. Yeah, yeah I mean, it, it's just we, we already have the dispel scroll, and I think they're trying to, to move away from just having armies that have blatant double dispel scrolls. But I like that this army, once again, with with its control over magic, with you know how magical this army can be, getting an extra dispel scroll. I mean, not everyone can get an extra dispel scroll. Right. I think it, it just it once again plays to the fluff. I like it, mm-hmm. especially since certain armies, you know, like demons, they don't even get a dispel scroll. <laughs> True. So these guys getting two is pretty pretty darn cool. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So and, I, and, I, yeah, I like you, it. you do have to do it on a two plus. So there is always that chance, but uh, I mean, five times out of six, you're going to be passing that. So. With my luck, though, it'll be at a critical point. <laughs> and, and then regardless of whether or not you do dispel, you also get the, the secondary effect as well. Yeah, we get the right, little true. remains in play. Of course, yeah, with your luck, like last that last game against Grant, <laughs> I just needed three up. Oh, I failed it oh, four times Oh, don't even remind me of that. Oh. He had that uh, bring, in the, bring in the unit off the board, uh, you know, on the ambush, and you need it on mm-hmm. a three plus. Turn six, he finally rolled it. He rolled a two, four turns in a row. Yeah, it was, it was ridiculous. I almost lost that game because that unit almost didn't emerge. Almost didn't come out. So. Wow. So, anyway, Plaque of Dominion. For 25 points, this arcane item is a bound spell, power level three. It contains a hex that targets all enemy wizards within 18 inches. The targets of the spell have stupidity until the start of the caster's next magic phase. This is uh, pretty eh. Yeah, I mean, it's really situational. It used to be a banner, and now I believe it's an enchanted item. Arcane. It's arcane. And, oh, it's an arcane item? Yeah. And, yeah, no, never mind. Don't even, it's not even worth it. Yeah, you're I mean, you're giving up your arcane slot for that, and yeah. it's going to be so situational. You, first of all, the wizards are likely near the generals, or they are the generals, right? or they're near the BSB, so they're rarely going to be failing that stupidity test. And the only thing it really does is, not give them the option to flee. So if you're going to charge some rippers in there, no, because if you, you fail stupid and run forward, you don't get your magic phase. They can't cast magic because they can't do anything. I thought if they if they if they fail stupid, stupid yeah. Well, I mean, granted, but I'm not I'm saying, saying that the chance that they're going to fail that stupidity test is, is low. None. Yeah, and there's a lot of armies that stupidity doesn't mean anything to them because the immune anyway, psychology armies, whether they're yeah. frenzy or yeah, mm-hmm. or frenzy, psych, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's 25 points. I suppose, I mean, bounce spell. I mean, it's another thing that you could be forcing or possibly forcing other players to throw away other dice at to free up they, your other I spells. I don't think they'd even bother. I don't even think they'd bother. Yeah, you're right. So 25 points. 
all enemy was it's within 18 inches. I mean, I suppose if you really like the idea, you could throw it on a skink, you know, skink priest. But just, I could see goblin casters being victimized by this. Maybe a or a maybe caster. if you happen to have two slon in there and you're able to get a doom and darkness in, then that could probably put a kibosh on on somebody's plans. Yeah, but true. then again, you know that's gonna it's gonna be situational. You got to have the dice, you got to have the spells, and you, you got to have get the wizard within eighteen, within 18 inches. inches. Yeah. Right. Those people who have three level one freaking uh, shamans next to the herdstone. Yeah, you know, or a light council. Yeah, I mean yeah, that, that actually, could possibly. There you go. That could possibly be it, but still, it's yeah, it's, it's situational and it is taking up your arcane slot. Okay, uh, Chris, or uh, Jeff, cloak of feathers. Uh, that's going to be a thirty-five point magic item. It can only go on a skink chief, or a, I believe it's only skink priest on foot. Correct? A skink character. Skink character, and it gives them fly and magic resistance one. Um, I, I think you are only going to see this on a skink priest just so they can zip around and give the slon that range. Uh, the magic resistance one, I'm not exactly sure why they threw it on there. Uh, I guess if you're in a unit, then the whole unit gets a six plus ward save versus magic. But um, I think the real benefit of that is going to be the fly. And even then, I'm not sure you're going to see it because it's 35 points now, so you won't be able to fit in a scroll or something sure. like that. And basically, you can just put your skink priest in a unit of skink skirmishers, and that'll protect them fairly well, and you'll be able to get into range with that. But, but it does work well with the salon. <laughs> Extending his range by that much more is mm-hmm. quite handy. Yeah. Uh, okay, what else we got here? The Horn of Kygor. <laughs> <laughs> One use only. Uh, en- enchanted item. <laughs> Your horn needs a little uh, work, I think. My horn needs some polishing. What? Stay on topic. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) My days of no longer taking you seriously are certainly coming to a middle. (laughs) The the horn of Kygor. (laughs) Enchanted item. One use only. The bearer of the horn can sound it at the start of any of his movement phases. If he does so, all friendly monsters, monstrous mounts, monstrous beasts... Monsters Cav Mounts, Cavalry Mounts, Chariot Beasts, and War Beasts within 12 inches of the bear have the Frenzy Special Rule until the start of their next movement phase. Note that the horn has no effects on riders, just their mounts. Um, I thought it was a really cool item when I first saw it, but then the more I read it, the more I just wasn't wasn't really feeling it. I mean, it's another one of those situational items. They've got to be within 12 inches. They've got to be a certain type. And well, you're giving your units anything, mo- any, anything that's an animal, which is half of the army, basically. If you give it to a um, a hero guy out on the flank who's in a unit of Saurus, I can see it being pretty handy. The Saurus cavalry given a, have a lot of attacks to begin with. Yeah, I mean, they got two attacks this, yeah. this book as well. So giving them an extra attack could definitely swing it. But again, you're paying 35 points to give your unit an extra attack for a single turn, whereas you could spend those points on a uh, potion of strength to really give them your your Scarvet a uh, can opening ability, or you can give them the um, initiative to. Sure. I mean, it just seems like you can you can kit them out better to do kind of the same thing, and uh, I don't know. I, I just when when you've got the frenzy, um, 
you control it because you're doing it in your movement phase, but at the same time, you have to overrun. So true. Yeah, I suppose. I guess if this you're going with those... a monster mash, I think this horn is going to see some use. But I think in right. some regular lists, you're really not going to see not. it. What do you think, Dave? I don't know. I read this and I was like, meh. I mean, it affects. Really? Like, well, I mean, you've got to have it. The guy's got to have it. You got to have everything within 12 inches. So, and then you got to want to. It's it's like you're taking this. You're almost kind of got to plan around it. Mm. All right, I got everything near me. Now I'm going to sound the horn, and now it's time to bum rush. Like you, right. you got to throw everything yeah, in. Yeah. Because you know, because you got to want to charge. Because what are you going to do? Hold back? Well, right. You know, I'm gonna hope I can restrain. And or then, what if you fail your charge with that guy, and then all of a sudden, you know, he's not where he needs to be, and all of your other monsters are kind of caught with their pants down because you were expecting those extra attacks. That's when the horn sounds like what you were doing, David. <laughs> but uh, you know, and plus, it's one extra attack for those monsters, and they got some pretty decent sized bases. So it's it's mm-hmm. one of these things where. Even if you got four monsters, you're spending this, and it's like, okay, so I'm getting for four, four extra, extra attacks. attacks. So, I mean, True. I could, like I said, the 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 cav unit that's going to get four, it's going to get like five extra attacks. So that's mm-hmm. that's a little better. Um, or, I mean, if you start stacking it with like staking on devastating charges, I mean, if you're able to to get the situation right, it, it could be useful. But I think for the most part, it's so situational that you're better in vo- investing your points elsewhere. Interesting. All right, David, let's wrap it up with the egg of Congo. Quango? So Egg of Quango. 30 points. Oh, I'll take the. Okay, I'll yeah, do yeah, go ahead. Lay uh, that egg. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I can't believe I just saw that. <laughs> roll, roll that roll that away. Okay. Fry that up, baby. One use only. The egg of Quango can be cracked open at the start of any close combat phase. Nominate an enemy unit in base contact with the bearer or his unit. Roll a D six and check the table. Any wounds in fake count towards combat res. I like that it counts it towards combat res. Yeah, me um, too. This is one that people either really seem to love or hate from what I'm hearing so far. Uh, I, I'm having a love-hate relationship with it as well. well on let's on go one hand... I'm sorry, like, go ahead. So yeah. you, you roll a one and it's D6 strength three hits. A two and a three, it's strength four hits. On a four up, it's two D6 strength five hits. So you gotta... I mean, it's a 50-50 chance but that you get the good one. But still, and it's you're a, paying thirty points for it. So but the two d six strength five in a combat can be huge. I mean, that could really do some damage. So you're um, torn on this item, Jeff. Yeah, I am. I, I'm like, I, I want to love it. I really want to be able to to take it on a skink on a Ripperdon or a, a pterodactyl, charge him into a, a small unit, a relatively small unit, and laugh as my opponent sees his unit dissolve That's to a here. skink on top of right. a pterodon. But there's also that 50% chance that it's just really not going to do very much. So um, I, I don't know. Like on, on 50-50 items, I, I really don't like seeing that high price tag because for 30 points, uh, I mean, like if you're going to, to kit out your, your skink chief like that, you'd almost rather have the weapon skill 10 blades, the give him a on. potion of strength. Yeah. Um, I mean, something to make him a little more killy instead of a 50-50 chance of actually doing some damage because then you can actually direct his attacks, whereas you can't direct these attacks. They're right. the randomized as per shooting. Sure. What do you think, David? Uh, I mean, 
it is fifty. I mean that that when that when that fifty comes up, it's great. But when yeah. it doesn't, I mean even the the two and the three, the D six strength four, mm-hmm. not suck. I mean, but, but it's not but worth it's, thirty. You're points. spending thirty points for right. it, and then That's even the if you get the two D six strength five. There's always that chance that you're going to roll a two or a three, and that's so the thing. it's it's just it's it's random enough to make me question it, but it's cool enough to make me want to take it. What about uh, if you go to a tournament where they allow you uh, a single reroll? I'm not sure that I would be using my reroll on that. I'd probably be using that on like arcane unforging or um, I don't know to maybe switch a winds of magic on a critical face. I'm not sure right, that this right. would be worth. Because I mean, uh, two chances at fifty percent be worth it. Does not mean you're going to get right. what you want. True. Well, interesting. It is. It's a. It's a hard call on that. It's. I want to love it, but like you said, it's. It's hard to love it when when you're banking on fifty fifty because it's a big yeah. chance you're going to drop that one and yeah. D six strength four. Although it counts towards combat res, and it, it it could swing it from a one wound, you know, losing by one to winning by one. Yeah, yeah, and, and and that's why I'm I'm still stuck on it because I mean it could when when they count towards combat res, it's almost like you've got a, a super mobile chariot, right? Yeah, especially against undead. I mean, this would just be <laughs> just, yeah. just evaporate that unit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, because the thing is, do you want to take a because yeah, it could and it could it could melt chaff. Even D six strength four could do a decent job with those little tiny chaff units with four right. or five wounds in it. But then you're using your 30-point item to clear a right. unit of chaff, which... That you probably could just charge into and clear out anyway. <laughs> of course, how many times have you done it and charged into the damn thing and killed all but one? And this might be yeah, that's yeah, true. Put wipe. you over the top. Because, <laughs> yeah. yeah, especially your, your silly little, you know, your five uh, your five goblin wolf riders, mm-hmm. where I always just kill like three or four, and then the fool stays because he's near the general. Right. Yeah, the D6 strength four would probably do it. Yeah, that one little bit, but yep. I, once again, it's 30 if, points. If they gave you the option to maybe, like, throw it as well, maybe use it as uh, a thrown weapon, maybe that would make it, that would tip it the scales, so I'm going to take it, but... I'm not just I, cracking I this egg open, I'm cracking it on your head. <laughs> Drive-by egging. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the magic items in an eggshell. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was a terrible yoke. You man, you really laid that one. <laughs> I've got nothing. I'm sorry, guys. Jeff, man, what the show? <laughs> oh, man. It's a wrong. All right, let's get a commercial break. We'll be back. Ryan Steele, creative director of Dark Age Games and editor-in-chief of Ravage Magazine US, wants the Garage Hammer fans to head on over to CoolMiniOrNots.com and find some of the best games and miniature artistry assets the industry has to offer. From professional painting DVDs, art supplies, and a variety of amazing miniatures, from an assortment of different companies, whether you're adding to your own army or starting up a new game like Dark Age, Cool Mini or Not has what you need.
All right, we're back. And, dude, that's it for this episode. Uh, we're actually, I promised Chris this morning that we would shut down at quarter till, and it's we're, five we're, till, so. It's all right. We're good. All right. Um, wow. Hopefully we can get through the entire darn list, the I entire army list next episode. We'll talk about we'll, do it. we'll get it done. entries and possible builds and strategies. Hopefully we'll get yeah. through all of that. And word this, diagnosis. Yeah, I don't yeah. want to have to stretch this to three episodes. No, I, I think we can do it. I don't think it's worth three episodes. The, you know, this isn't High Elves or Dwarves. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That's oh, not what we're talking about. This here. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm being inflammatory and sarcastic tonight. It's just something I do. Um, You're being inflammacastic. <laughs> Ooh, fantabulous. I'm super. Thanks for asking. <laughs> right, let's keep it on track. I knew I'd be fantabulous. Once I got me this VSB pole. <laughs> uh, folks, thank you for listening. Jeff, thank you for coming on. Yep, thank thanks, you for Jeff. having me. Always fun as always. Yeah, and you're beyond next episode as we go through this some more. Lizardman lists and, and yeah. unit entries. <laughs> Lots of them, yeah. too. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just then, not in the core. Yeah, then we can bitch about that. True. But, uh, folks, thank you so much. Um for uh for listening um visit the website please join the forums an itunes review wouldn't be something i would frown upon would be quite nice send us a voicemail yeah send us a voicemail hey you ohio and illinois players (laughs) yeah you got a special treat coming your way this episode yeah Yeah. no they already heard it previously in this episode yeah so they got to do something about that uh thank you christopher for Yes, always good to hear from Mr. Barnett. (laughs) Stay a while and listen. (laughs) By the way, I still, dude, I've been so busy. I've been really lax on, like, the upkeep on the website, so we still don't have the page to order dice up there, but I still have, like, 300 left of the 1,000 we had. So if you want some Garage Hammer dice, contact me, and um, I will let you know. Yeah, just send it to, you know, uh, garagehammeratlive.com or message me on the forms or whatever. But that's our show, and we will be back in a couple of weeks with more lizard men. More cold-blooded goodness. Yeah, yeah. Take care, guys. Bye. Roar. See you guys next time. Roar. Meow. What's a cat doing in the jungle? You've been listening to Garage Hammer. If you like the show, we invite you to join the Garage Hammer community by joining our forums at garagehammer.net slash forum or our Facebook page, Garage Hammer Podcast. You can also follow us on Twitter. Follow David at Garage Hammer and follow Chris at Topher Chris U. If you'd like to contact us, you can reach David through David at garagehammer.net. You can reach me, that's Chris, through Chris U at garagehammer.net. And you can reach both of us through garagehammer at live.com. If you want to help support Garage Hammer, check the support page or the show store on our website, or leave us a positive review on iTunes. Until next time, thanks for listening.